Hey, welcome to the 239th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about 1987's Superman series written and drawn by John Byrne. So we got classic Superman stuff, really cool stuff, uh, including uh, last week was the first appearance of Bloodsport, which I totally forgot that that's where he first appeared. And a little different than the, the Idris Elba <laughs> version we had. So you can check that out. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, so what's happening this week? We got a, a bit to talk about. The big movie feature is The Lost City. So it's uh, kind of interesting how I approached going to see this movie. So I'll, 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 t- I'll talk about that. Um, I actually enjoyed it. I, I will say that right now. And then also going to talk about Deep River, which is out on Hulu. So that's the um, Ben Affleck, uh, Ana de Armas movie. And uh, we got Star Trek Picard, Severance, the season finale, A Servant. Oh my goodness. Um, the Flash, Superman, Lois, Snowpiercer. Season, was it the season finale of Snowpiercer? No, one more. Snowpiercer coming up. Um, comic books and the news. This first bit, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted. And yeah, it's, it's, Right before I started recording this, I was just like, oh, man. So, um, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer from Foo Fighters, has passed. He's 50 years old. So, I, I know, yeah, I don't normally cover music on the podcast, but, you know, I did talk about Studio 666 a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Foo Fighters movie. I'm just, I, I'm I'm at a loss. I, I just can't believe it. I mean, he was just such a brilliant person. Uh, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to see them live twice. Um, it was, was kind of actually like back to back. I, I, I saw them big arena show with Weezer. Uh, that was a, just a, an amazing show. They, I guess they alternated like who opened for who, but when I saw Weezer opened up for Foo Fighters and then they did an acoustic show and a way smaller venue. I mean, it was, it was just amazing. And I remember Taylor Hawkins, his band and, and then having just recently listened to Dave Grohl's um, audiobook and, you know, just the stories he said about, you know, he told about him and Taylor. It's just, it's, it's just horrible. You know, wife, kids, I mean, 50 years old, that's, that's like nothing. So I'm just, I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm, so if I'm a little off, that, that's, that's why. So trying to go on with the show, um, where do I even start with? I guess we can start with the Batman. Let's start with the Batman. So we got that 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 big deleted scene. I I'm not really sure how I feel. Well, actually, I do know how I feel with it. I don't really. I'm not super crazy about it at all. Uh, when it came out, I it was actually a few days after it was officially released that I was like, okay, I I I should probably watch this so I can talk about it. So it's um the Arkham scene with spoiler, not with spoiler, no with um joker uh the the man who'd be so here's the thing it's like you're trying to figure out where this resides and you know so this is 
this is a you know Batman's like in year two in in this movie, and I think I don't know if they mentioned it you know, in in this clip that Joker's been there for like a year. I don't know if that's what what was said. I saw that I f- I forgot where I, I watched the embed of the video. You know, it was on YouTube, and I think the the article I read said mentioned that, but I I must have missed that because maybe I was doing something else when I when I started it. It's 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 shot kind of kind of interestingly where they it the camera never fully focuses on the Joker, and in a way that that kind of makes it a little creepy. It's kind of good that they're going to do it. It's just crazy that I I don't I just don't I mean it was like a five minute scene in the middle of this this long movie and it just it would have really been too much you know we got we have riddler we have penguin we have catwoman and there there's just way too much and then they were going to throw in the joke so i'm glad that they deleted it the other thing is are they committed to this dude playing the joker you know there there's no word on that he would appear in a sequel or anything like that but it just seems kind of crazy that you're going to do it um that that you're just going to have him in there like that i mean i guess they're not looking to tell an origin which you know do we don't really need an, a joker origin my question would be because when originally i thought that this was just the dude that was going to become the joker and i didn't really like that because they shouldn't know who he is unless he's just like john doe or you know the fake name or you know no alias or or no records or whatever so i just i don't know i i don't think we need him to see him right right now you know there are so many other characters I feel like you know we've we've had two movie versions of the Joker already, right? Is it just two? So I just, I, I it's just like with the comics. I think Joker's way overused in the comics. So I don't know. I mean, but again, the way they did shoot it was was kind of neat, and it, it did kind of work. It kind of made it a little creepier in a way because you you know you can't really see what he looks like, and his hair look kind of looked a little patchy, and you know his head looked kind of scarred which kind of you know adds to to all that but it was just weird that like batman would go to him for like kind of help like here's the files on the riddler you know wanting to kind of get some information because at first he's like i I thought you would you know like this or it just seemed really weird and like i said it was it was just long if if you're gonna have in a movie have them in a movie don't just give them a five minute scene because that just yeah it just felt felt out of out of place so i'm really glad that they decided not to to go with that yeah i guess we'll we'll see what 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 happens with the the future of you know sequels or anything like that but yeah i just not not super crazy about that speaking of dc though james gunn mentioned that there they he actually shot a lot of footage so with the the season finale of peacemaker we had a big cameo scene at the end and again, if you haven't seen it, I already talked about it on the show. But spoiler, you know, there's, there's, it, this is like so old. But apparently there's a lot more footage from that scene. Uh, mainly this had to do with, uh, spoiler, okay, with uh, Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa. With, you know, the whole thing. Apparently Ezra Miller went on for, James goes like literally 16 minutes talking about Aquaman having like sex with fish. And I guess they just kept the camera rolling, and then, but then they realized like they can't really use this. So hopefully we'll see that at some point. I mean, it'd be kind of kind of interesting to to see <laughs> or hear. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. Um, also, the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League video game has been bumped to spring of 2023. So it's like a whole year from now, and. 
as I, I always say, you know, if, if something is going to be delayed, I would much rather something be delayed than pushed out when it's not ready. You know, when you're doing a video game, I mean, you you don't have, well, yeah, I mean, you have opportunities. You can release a bad game, you know, if it's a big property and then try again, you know, if, if that game doesn't work. But at, at a certain point, people are going to be like, man, those last two games were just like, were like dog poop and you're trying to release another one again. People might still fall for it, but still, if, if you're going to do it, do it right. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for, for, for pushing it. Plus the fact... I just don't have time to play video games, so it's not affecting me. <laughs> Maybe by spring 2023, my my whole situation will change, and I'll find some more time. And you know, I I don't know if I ever mentioned it, but I was I'm, I'm a little sad in in a way, <laughs> different sad that I kind of gave up on on video games because when the PlayStation Five came out, you know, I was trying to find one, trying to find one, you know, looking online and it sold out, sold out, you know, everywhere like that. And at the, at eventually it got to the point where I'm like, you know, well, maybe I'm just not going to get one. You know, it's like, I, I, I've had every single PlayStation up and except for this one. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I just don't do it. Maybe I call it quits. And, you know, cause I, I do not have time. You know, I, you know, I've talked about my 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 gaming time with Resident Evil Seven, and I still haven't finished Spider Man. Yeah, so if it, it's okay for me, if they 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 delay it, but again, better to delay it than push it out and have it not be good. Um, this week, exciting is uh, Moon Knight is going to be starting. So March thirtieth, Moon Knight on Disney Plus. And I'm really happy that they're only releasing one episode. So it appears, you know, that's what it is. That's what it's kind of been said. And I, I checked again today on IMDb, and they, you know, they they only listed it. They have the dates for like all of them. I really hope that they stick with that. And I I think it's it's good because, you know, I want that week to week suspense. You know, have have whatever crazy ending cliffhanger, or even if you know it doesn't have to be a super cliffhanger, but have an episode end, and then you know you have to wait, build that anticipation for a week, and it gets people talking. You know, you, you look at how Peacemaker was. Peacemaker, you know, people were were on it every every week. Uh, when Netflix or who you know, whoever drops a whole show, people will watch it, and then that's it. Like you know that Reacher show, I I probably would have covered that on on this podcast if it came out weekly but since amazon drops them all at once i was like there's no way i, I can watch I, you know, I barely have time to watch one episode let alone the whole season and then by the time you know even if i tried doing one episode or two episodes i feel like it's it's just after the fact you know because people that really care they're gonna binge the whole thing or, or as much as they can so if i'm trying to walk it you know watch or talk about it and then like you know six weeks later someone's already watched all these it's almost like why maybe that's that's a silly way to look at it but that's just kind of how i feel um and the reason i'm interested in jack reacher i've never seen a tom cruise jack reacher movie i mean i, I i'm kind of tempted now i've started I've, I've been listening to as as i mentioned several times probably i listen to audiobooks during my commute and so i've been listening to the first jack reacher book and it's kind of interesting i believe that the the season is based off of the first book because i i looked up the imdb page finally i saw so many other actors characters listed are the same ones from this story so i'm really curious to watch it um at some point i will but like i said i'm not going to talk about it here probably maybe 
maybe on a secret podcast i could we'll, we'll see um so yeah so moon Knight starting this week that i there's like so many little clips and stuff coming out i'm trying to avoid them because a lot of times it's like the same things um but yeah different things they had the big premiere in la which was cool to see you know it's it's not often you really see i i guess marvel does premieres for the tv shows but i'm, I'm glad that they're doing that and i hope it's successful i hope it's awesome and i hope we get more moon Knight because you know they're really saying that this is a limited series it's only one season you know i don't even think they're calling it like season one so hopefully we'll see him more i don't know if he'll be in werewolf by night or maybe they'll do midnight suns or you know maybe he'll appear in a movie somewhere but that that would be great if we get more moon knight after this but uh moon knight uh writer uh sabir perzada is apparently developing a nova project so um it's, it's not really clear if it's gonna be a movie or tv you know disney plus thing that i don't think they've said anything about that so when i heard about this i'm like okay you know because we've seen a nova core in guardians of the galaxy so at this point i'm i'm thinking it's like i could see them doing like a disney plus with like sam alexander because with the, what we've seen of a nova core it would just, i don't know i mean it would seem weird to have richard Ryder, but i could see them doing the whole sam alexander story it, it seems like that would be easy to adapt but apparently kevin feige has has previously mentioned that you know they're going with richard Ryder with rich Ryder and uh <laughs> thank goodness no one calls him dick like dick grayson there's richard i saw where's that name come from so i uh, richard Ryder, rich Ryder. i think that that could be interesting to see how how they where they fit him in and i also think it's important is you know as we've seen like the core of the Avengers, you know, like the Tony Starks and the, you know, cause are we, we're not gonna see Captain America again. We're not gonna see Iron Man again. In theory, we're not gonna see Black Widow again. So, you know, we need these other characters, you know, so Marvel and Disney can, you know, keep pumping out Marvel products. So that'll be interesting. And speaking of Oscar Isaac, so he, uh, talked about the Metal Gear Solid movie that it's, it's still in development, I guess. So I, I guess he was like, I'm trying to think back when he announced it. I think it was December 2020. So that was like a long time ago, if you think about it. And apparently, they're still looking for the story, which seems really weird because if you know if you know anything about the Metal Gear Solid games, or if you played them, especially like the first two, the story was like such a huge aspect of the game. I mean, it, it was almost like it was just so intricate. I mean, just so many like cinema scenes and just conversations between characters that you just had to sit there and watch it was cool i mean was, you know gorgeous graphics especially for, you know for the time and just all this dialogue just it's like just so heavy and um they're they don't have a story i mean obviously they're you know they're they're not going to adapt it you know directly but it's like there's a there's a lot there so uh, that just that is a little concerning um also what's a little concerning is uh cw has ordered new seasons for the flash uh superman and lois and um, i think riverdale and then some some of the other shows i, I forget the other ones that i i'm not watching with the flash which what's interesting is i guess grant gustin negotiated a, a big pay raise for himself which okay congrats and he also locked in just like 15 episodes so i wonder does that mean it's only gonna be like a 15 episode season or you know because they could do episodes without him i mean if you look at like recently we had bart and nora i mean that was heavy 
on, on them. You know, there was little cameos. You know, Bart Barry did appear there, but I feel like they could do it with. They could do other episodes without him so much, and I wonder if if he did like a little cameo scene in an episode, does that count as one of the episodes? Like, is he like determined he only wants to do 15 episodes? Cause why not like take his appearance instead of him being the main focus for an episode, like split that. And you know, then there's two episodes instead of one. And then you just have, yeah, but maybe, maybe he's just digging his feet in and saying only 15 episodes. All right. And then apparently uh, Gotham Knights hasn't, isn't officially a series yet, which is weird because, you know, they're, they're making announcements about it. Like they, they also said that Misha Collins, who was, um, what's his name? The, the angel in supernatural, he was cast as Harvey Dent in Gotham Knights. So does that mean he was cast in like the pilot episode? I, I don't understand. Cause a lot of times, you know, they, they talk about these shows and everything like that. And then you find out like, Oh, now the show is official. It's like, wait, I thought it was official. Like, you know, four months ago, but apparently not so they just do things weird however they do them i guess so there's that uh stranger things 4 they they released some some images for that and um, i kind of glanced over it and then i wasn't really sure yeah images are nice and give me a trailer i guess but also i don't really need a trailer you know i'm gonna i'm gonna watch the show and i i don't want to be spoiled about anything but apparently what what the word that's that's going out is that there's gonna be more of a, a horror feel to it and you know one of the things they talked about how the the kids aren't really kids anymore you know so they they, they kind of can't do like I, I think I saw something like you can't really do like a, like a Goonies angle of, of it but they're they're I guess the different there's like different kind of vibes that they're going for and I think one was sort of like a Nightmare on Elm Street vibe or something so we'll see I'm I, yeah I, mean, I, I was gonna say I was trying to remember how the last season ended but yeah it's coming back to me now so. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to Chucky season two uh, coming this fall, and they've uh, locked in, confirmed that Jennifer Tilly will return as Tiffany. So I almost kind of assumed that that would be a given, but I I guess it wasn't. So so that that's good. I mean, you know, keep keep that going. There's apparently maybe possibly going to be a live action Voltron movie. So Rawson. Marshall Thorber, um, who did Red Notice, is shopping it around to studios apparently. So I, I where I'm a little confused because you know there's different studios that are interested, and I even like including like Amazon. So could I guess they're looking like maybe it'll be a movie or a show or what? Or I mean, it could be a movie if you know it could be a movie Amazon original or whatever. And um, but apparently not Netflix, even though uh, Rawson is is working with with netflix has some stuff yeah there's apparently back-to-back red notice sequels happening and there's also like a new he's supposed to like write and direct a new dungeon dragon tv series so it's like when, when is voltron going to be be made you know how do you fit this in, into that, that crazy schedule but what what is curious is like how is this being shopped a different studios because like warner brothers is interested also because you know who owns the rights does rawson own the rights and say oh hey i got this idea or are they going to say okay hey i got this idea you're interested okay now you got to get the rights to you know to do this the license or whatever so i like voltron i i I would love to see a really cool well done live action movie don't make it too kiddie 
don't make it too gritty and edgy. You know, just just do it right. Fingers crossed on that. Christina Ricci is going to be in Netflix's Wednesday series. So as you know, Christina Ricci played Wednesday in the the older the last movies, whatever. So she's apparently going to be a new character. So she's not going to be like Wednesday as an adult or in the future or, you know, some other relative, maybe it could be another relative, but apparently it's a new, new role. So that that's good. Um, I still need to watch the final episode of Yellow Jackets on Showtime. It was weird because I started watching it like last December and, uh, you know, that's when I first started watching and I still have that last episode to, to go. That's a, I, I kind of wish I was talking about that, that show on the podcast because I, I, I was really enjoying it. And, and part of me is like, since I wasn't covering it, so that's why I haven't like kept up when the, the episodes were, were coming out, the last ones, but also it's like, I kind of don't want to end it right away. And, you know, because there'll be a, a second season. So I'm kind of like trying to delay that. Uh, A24 uh, has a, put out a new trailer for Men. Um, I don't even know what this, I have no idea really what this movie is about. You should just watch the trailer, just like search A24 Men. And um, it's a little disturbing and disturbing in a different way because, you know, there's this woman and her apparently her husband died and this other guy's like kind of like blaming her is like oh don't you wish you could apologize and she's like what like what would i apologize for and it's just kind of and there's just like other weird stuff going on so just i yeah i, I can't even i'm not even gonna, i don't even want to try to describe it because i'm not going to do it justice it's just really weird and just a24 movies are are just awesome i am bummed also that was it everything in everywhere between the michelle yo a24 movie that came out this week my theater didn't have it i hope they do they pick it up you know they they didn't have it right away so i i I do really want to watch that and um the last bit of news is more bummer news i i can't believe this archive 81 canceled not getting a second season which is like ridiculous because one it was like a huge cliffhanger and it was like in the top 10 on Netflix. It did really well. And then um, I think it, it got bumped because like Ozark came out. And, you know, here's a show that people have been watching for, you know, whatever, however many seasons it is. So it's just, it's weird. And with Archive 81, it didn't seem like it was an overly expensive show or anything. You know, I, so I could see like when um, Jupiter's Legacy that, you know, how they, they mentioned that that cost was a factor. That it was just way too expensive to do that. So Archive 81 didn't seem overly expensive. You know, it, not that it was like super cheap looking or anything, but yeah, that's and it it seemed like it got good ratings. So man, a lot of bummer news this week. So that that's gonna be the news. With comic books at Image, we had Department of Truth issue 17. So I, I did like this episode, so I know, or this issue, keep keep switching that. Uh, last issue, I wasn't super crazy about it, and I think it was it was mainly the art. It was, you know, it was very trippy. It was very fitting for the issue for the time period, but it was just, I don't know, it was just a little distracting for me. But this this episode, or this issue, Jesus, this issue, was I really liked the art. And uh, it, it was kind of cool because, you know, it's, it's, it was a flashback and we see, you know, uh, slightly younger Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, meeting with, um, you know, with his, his supervisor and with uh, Nixon 
you know, when Nixon's first comes in and they're kind of explaining the about the existence of the Department of Truth and what they do and, and so forth. And when he first looks at him, he's like, he's like, you look familiar or something like that. And then at one point, the guy's like, and Lee is doing this, and he's like, Lee. But then, you know, late, well, I, I shouldn't get into the whole thing. And then there's like other things that come up. So I, I just, it's just so weird to think, like, where is James Tynan the fourth coming up with these ideas? And, and it's almost, you know, obviously it's, this is fiction, maybe, but it's just, it's kind of, you know, trippy to think about like, well, what if this is, well, what if this does exist? You know, what if they, what they are doing these, creating these, these situations, doing this? And so, yeah, there's just, there's some stuff with like the Apollo, Apollo 11 and uh, like the moon landing and, and stuff like that. So just, yeah, if you, if you haven't been reading, read this, this series, get the trades and just get caught up because it's, it's cool stuff. Um, what looks pretty cool. And I, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for not reading this. This was actually, I was kind of, kind of saving this for the, for, for the end in a way. And it kind of backfired on me. So ghost cage is a three issue series. This is by Nick Dragota and, and uh, Caleb Grolner. I, I stupidly I, I hadn't heard about this I, I didn't know anything about it so like the synopsis is a highly anticipated follow-up project from critically lauded east of west artist nick Dragota. this all-new extra-length limited series i think it's like 40 something pages teams artistic dynamo Dragota with rising star writer caleb golner uh, who did teenage mutant ninja turtles the animated adventures when his megacore power plant falls under an attack by terrorists, the super scientist who revolutionized and controlled all energy on Earth sends his ultimate creation and an adequate employee in to destroy his most monstrous secrets. So it's um it kind of kind of has like an anime feel to it like the art it's just it's really cool art and there's just a lot of like there's like some big scenes and and just like close-ups and and even the way like the lettering is is laid out it, again like i said it has this manga feel and and um i started reading it and like, stupidly i was like i need to start recording this so i am definitely going to read it and um i i look forward to i like i said i really don't know what this is about and where it's going but it's it looks really cool and um i'm i'm glad that i have a copy that i'm going to going to be reading as soon as i can after this um, what else um Gunslinger Spawn Issue 6 came out, which I, I haven't been reading that. Monstrous 38 came out. Uh, Saga 57 came out. So a lot of other stuff from Image that, unfortunately, I didn't read. And here's another one I didn't read. I just realized uh, J.I. Joe Real American Hero 290 came out. Man, just when I'm like trying to uh, start reading and keep, keep up with this, and, of course, I, I don't read this. So well, I don't even know what this was about. They are an Eastern Bloc legend. They've gone toe-to-toe with J.I. Joe and Cobra more than once. They've even stood side-by-side with their American counterparts on occasion. They bring serious heat to the Cold War in more ways than one. This is a really long synopsis. Um, They've celebrated victories and they suffered losses, but somehow have remained intact. But wait, how? After said losses, have they remained intact? This month, living legend Larry Hama and upcoming superstar Heather Vaughn are going to open the top-secret dossier, remove those pesky, pesky redactions, and fill everyone in on the long-awaited answers in Spotlight October Guard. Oh, that, that sounds cool. Last ep, last issue <laughs> was kind of weird, I thought, and um, I was like, hmm, this one sounds, sounds, sounds cool. So I didn't read that. And then at Boom, I didn't read anything at Boom. Um, there's nothing that I read. Firefly, Power Rangers came out. Um, but at DC, 
So there's a, there's a couple things I read at DC. Uh, Action Comics 1041, 1041. So more on Superman, war world fighting, blah, blah, blah. Um, this was this episode, this issue was was okay. There's a Midnighter has some actions that steps up and does some stuff. And it's always just kind of interesting, you know, because Midnighter is a totally different approach than Superman. And, and yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I'm just, I, I'm really curious. It may, the, this information may exist out there, but I'm really curious how long is this going to last and where the heck is Superman? What is he going to do after, if he even survives? You know, are they going to stupidly kill him off? They, they better not. I will, uh, I, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I'll never, I don't know what I'll do. I'm, yeah, I'm just waiting for, for this to, to end. Um, Deathstroke Inc. issue seven. What was interesting here is this is kind of like a, almost like a continuation from the recent Robin issues. Rose Ravager, she comes with Respawn. So there's like some weird connection with Respawn, you know, because the costume looks a little reminiscent to like, you know, the Deathstroke style. And uh, Rose has been, you know, kind of talking to him and everything like that. So they go to, to like, what the heck is is Slade doing? You know, he's he's got this organization now and he's leading all these villains. It's like, is he up the evilness again? Like, what what is happening here? So they actually we we get um, we get Respawn's origin, and and right away there's no tiptoeing around it because you know when Slade sees him, he's like, "Who the heck are you supposed to be?" He's like, "Why are you wearing that that costume?" And he just like pulls off his his uh, his mask. So boom! If you've been wondering, if you've been reading Robin, and you're like, "What what's the deal here?" It's all here. It's all laid out. So all the answers you may have wanted are here, and. I will say they're they're satisfying. I, I'm I'm content with that. I, I like that. It wasn't. I mean, it's it's better than what I thought it, it was going to be. And I, I won't say what I thought in case you're maybe stupidly or not stupidly, but maybe you know if you're thinking the same thing, you know. So I don't want to spoil that that you're wrong. Okay, there's something else. I'm I'm really curious to see how this is going to play out. And uh, Slade's reaction was interesting. Not. Quite what I expected, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, Detective Comics 1058. This there's more fallout with uh, the tower with Arkham Tower, and it's just it's really too bad that you know they they launched this new Arkham Asylum basically or Arkham Tower, and they got bamboozled by this Doctor Weird guy who really was just trying to siphon money out from the city and and you know pull this big scam. It's like, hey, let's get Psycho Pirate and, or, you know, he's going to get Psycho Pirate to control everyone to make it look like he's successfully treating all these, you know, crazy, you know, mentally unstable, whatever you want to call them. And yeah, and it just all all blew up. And uh, just seeing how they're trying to pick up the pieces and what they're doing. And um, because it's like, yeah, you have to have an Arkham, you know, whether it's an Arkham Asylum or Arkham Tower or whatever the heck you're calling it. It's like, you know, you need somewhere to put these characters. And it's just the fact that there's like the history that, you know, Arkham is part of Gotham. Maybe it's on the outskirts of of Gotham City, but it's like you can't have Batman comics without Arkham because it just feels like even though the criminals keep escaping, but it's like you, you need that there. And then Robin issue 12. So last ep- issue, <laughs> I thought I had it that time. <laughs> last issue, uh, Robin spoiler 
not Stephanie Brown. I, I, I keep thinking it. So Robin took some Lazarus resin, and uh, you can imagine what he might be thinking about doing with that. You know, there's a certain someone who is no longer with us, and he's like, "Okay, it's time." And think about that. It, I I kind of don't wouldn't want that to happen, but I don't don't really think it's a, it's a good because I, I think. I don't really know if the details of this Lazarin resin, because you know we're also seeing it on the Task Force Z, but it was always like there should have been like there. I mean, it felt like there was like a time limit. Like you can't use a Lazarus pit on someone who's been dead for a while. Like when Batman was going to try to do that with Damien, that just it didn't seem like that that was the way it worked. That you know it had to be like fairly fresh or, or whatever. So to try to revive Alfred that way, it's like, okay, but then there's also the risk, you know, whenever you use, you know, the Lazarus, Lazarus resin may be different from the Lazarus pit, but it's, it's essentially, you know, very similar. It just, you know, there, there's a risk of being unstable, like just, you know, losing your mind. So all of that, I would be kind of like, okay, that's fine. Uh, let, let's do that. Just bring back Alfred. Did I even say it was Alfred? I don't know if I did, but obviously that's what I was talking about. So we'll see. And then uh, Damien has an encounter with someone else, and, and first he's going to lay it down. He's like, let's just settle this now and do this, and, and it, it's kind of interesting where he's going to go after that. Um, then there's Rogues Number 1. So this is by Joshua Williamson, and this is a black label book because at one point they, they actually swear it's like there's there's no need for them to swear you know it's not that's like super crucial like part of you know if they they've gone this long without swearing okay whatever but anyways it's taking place like some years from now and most of the the villains are not leaving leading the the most satisfying lives and you know they're they're a lot of them are on parole and you know just trying to make ends meet and it's it's not going so super well like you know captain cold is and he's like it's focus is on, on captain cold he's just you know working this crummy job you know his parole officer barges in you know his place whenever he wants and and he's not taken seriously at work and and stuff like that and he's just like hey let's let's he finally decides he wants to get the gang back together type of thing and and try to pull something else off but is it going to go according to plan maybe maybe not and so yeah things kind of escalate in here so it's, it's interesting to, to see how this is going to um going to play out or it will be interesting task force z issue six uh, my my main problem with this so aside from characters dying and being brought back somehow and, and you know all, all this there's still no real development with bane because bane seems like he's fully brought back in in uh, joker here he's not quite there yet you know he's he's still like borderline in limbo you know between like like almost like a mindless zombie or savage human whatever so we have that we we also ha- I, I guess my, my big problem here so aside from that is the fact that Jason Todd is leading it. You know, it's kind of interesting that, you know, he was roped into this. But the fact that a lot of people know that Red Hood is Jason Todd or they're just like throwing his name around like left and right. And it's also being thrown around like that Batman like raised him and stuff like that. So I feel like 
all someone needs to do is like, okay, where did Jason Todd end up? Like, who, where did he grow up and who took him in? And I just, it, it, the whole secret identity thing, you know, it, maybe Bruce Wayne isn't the best secret identity that people should, you know, be able to figure it out. But I, I feel like they, they should at least try to make it a little harder. But it's it's just, there's that. And, and then there's the fact that, you know, so with Task Force Z, they're kind of being lied to as to who's controlling or setting things up, who they're reporting to. And, and yeah, so it's just kind of building and, and kind of going a separate way. And it's just, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see. Teen Titans Academy issue 13. I, I, I don't know about this. So we're, um, I believe if I remember correctly, cause now I'm, I'm starting to question myself. There is a more with, uh, earth z or the earth not earth earth z earth three then the battle for earth three so there's stuff with with uh amanda waller's suicide squad with her different you know and rick flag his his group and uh it's like really do we need that but we'll see and there, there's more you know about red red x red x right that they're still trying to get him so I don't know. And what I realized, so apparently Ghost Cages, the only issue I didn't read, uh, Human Target issue six also came out. So I, I need to read that. Is that the last issue? I can't remember if that. So I, you know, with with, with Human Target, I, I've been enjoying it. You know, the, the story has been, story's been, been interesting, been good. I really hope that somehow human target is going to find a way to, to live, you know, cause he's been poisoned. He, you know, he, he, you know, he, he thinks he's going to die and he, you know, he's trying to figure out who, who poisoned him. It's almost like, well, you know, what's, what's the point, you know, because, you know, you, there's nothing you can do about it. But, um, yeah, I don't know if remember if this is the last issue or not. So I love the art. So I'll just say that. And then at Marvel, so we had Avengers Forever issue twenty. <sighs> I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I'm enjoying this. I'm not. It just it feels kind of weird, you know, because we're seeing stuff in Avengers Forever. We're seeing some stuff in Avengers, and what we get here, we get Thor's daughters from like the future, from like the Jason Aaron Thor run, which is kind of cool, you know, to, to see them brought back, especially since you know Jason Aaron, you know, created them and and you know guided them or whatever. So we're seeing them come into the fight and uh, which is kind of interesting how that happens you know, there's more developments on like robbie reyes and you know fighting this uh multiverse masters of evil which that's what i was trying to do um so we'll, we'll see i mean it, it's got good art i i don't really know how i feel about the story but i'm 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 on board barely but i yeah so there's that ben riley spider-man issue three this is interesting to look back at this because you know this is taking place in the past, so you know it's out of continuity and seeing Ben Riley at this era and is like it's so. And on the one hand, I'm I'm loving that you know because I, I feel like we didn't get enough Ben Riley stories back then that I felt it was. Don't get me started. I felt it was always like a wasted potential that you know there could have been so many more stories to tell that. I don't see why we couldn't have Ben Riley doing his own thing and Peter Parker doing his own thing. You know, I always said, take Ben Riley, put him on, on on the West Coast and Spider-Man on the East Coast to have him. You can have two Spider-Mans. And, you know, we have two Spider-Mans now. So, you know, but back then, I don't think they really want to do it. Plus, there's probably the whole the clone thing and people getting upset as like, who's really the clone, who's not? And 
but this is uh, this is fun seeing this story how this plays out and you know someone targeting ben riley it's like or scarlet spider like who knows his identity who's doing all this stuff and where are these villains how are they they've suddenly attacking him and you know so there's some 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 cool things here <laughs> captain america iron man i can't believe it's issue five i'm not reading that that series demon days came out i was going to check this out demon days blood feud so this is by peach momoko and uh gorgeous art i i love the art so this is the final chapter to demon days saga so we have mariko yashada yashida meets the one who's been hunting her ogen okay that that's interesting so yeah you should check those out i mean if, if you want something a little differently i mean it's, like i said really really good art devil's reign villains issue three uh, my main problem with this is kind of like the way where the issue ends is at a point during the last issue of Devil's Reign. So it's the the, the bummer that I kind of feel is it's not moving beyond what we've already seen like oh, two weeks ago. I don't think it was last week. Maybe it was. But we do see more of like how U.S. agent John Walker is is kind of trying to handle this and, you know, the stuff that the kingpin's doing and uh so this is obviously before kingpin went ape poop all over and and you know kind of crossed some lines so uh, that was fine um and then devil's reign x-men um, issue three this is about emma frost and kingpin trying to get his revenge on her and like what she does and so i i did like this and uh you know the, the great thing is jerry duggan phil noto so th this has been been a great you know three issues there uh, there was a Electra Black, White, and Red. I did check that out. I, I kind of skimmed through it. And uh, I just, it almost feels like that these, you know, Black, White, and Red or whatever, it, I, I think they're just not for me. You know, it's it's cool for the writers and artists to get an opportunity to do this. And, you know, it it's cool to see these different writers and artists, you know, spotlighted doing, you know, getting to do their stories. But it just feels like, you know, once you read it, that, you know, there's going to be no lasting consequences from these stories. And, you know, they're not supposed to be. You know, it's just, if you like the character, here's some cool stories. But I guess for me, because of the time and everything like that, it's like, well, I, I kind of want more than just a story, even if it's a cool story. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. Maestro World War M, issue two. Uh, this was, this was fine. So, Human Torch, uh, Jim Hammond has teamed up with Namor, and Maestro kind of attacks Atlantis. You know, gets wind of this, and he's angry, smashing things, of course, and, and stuff like that. So uh, that was all right. And then there's you know still Doctor Doom. He's still recovering from his encounter. He's he's not super happy. Ms. Marvel, uh, Beyond the Limit, issue four. So we find out, so with uh, Kamala's doppelganger and how she's mimicking or taking Kamala's powers, like how is that happening? And so we, we, we find out her story, like what her world was like and how she got to Kamala's. And um, what it seems like, you know, she's, she's blaming Ms. Marvel for like what happened. Unless I totally miss something, but the way I see it, it's like I don't quite see it as being Kamala's fault, and uh, it just seemed kind of weird and uh, 
kind of dumb in a way like it's like that's that's your motive it's like you know boohoo to you it's like you're just yeah savage spider-man issue two came out i didn't wasn't crazy about the the first one so i i didn't check this out and it's just it's weird i don't really need the savage spider-man just the spider spider-man whatever shang chi issue 10 i love the art you know marcus toe uh, there's just there's like a lot of characters here and you know trying to sort out like who's who for me I, what as i was reading it i was you know being totally honest i was like i kind of don't have the time to to try to figure out who's who and who's what and who's why are they fighting and like what is their purpose and motives and so i i'm i'm, I'm i'll keep checking it out but i just as i started reading it i'm like okay so here we go then darth vader issue 21 so there's more about uh what's her name um what is her name so to cure a knightly character the, the padme um handmaiden who's like a decoy uh i can't so she she pops up again and you know she's been doing stuff with uh, crimson dawn in a way and you know she's trying to figure out what's up with darth vader because you know she doesn't know and, and she believes that darth vader is responsible for padme's death so there's some some interesting uh stuff with that then we have venom lethal protector issue one so this was i was like wait at first i'm like is this a reprint is this like a you know a facsimile edition and is you know david michelin is doing the writing and obviously you know david michelin co-created venom so it was kind of cool to, to see this venom story and this is another one that's taking place out of continuity so i kind of like in a way that marvel is doing this where you know, it's it's it would I would kind of be nice if they're like this takes place, but you know, or at, between this issue and this issue or something like that. They don't really do that, but it's clear when it kind of takes place. So I, maybe it's it's better to leave it a little vague, so you know, it's not strictly locked into whatever. And then you have to make sure, like, oh, what other appearances happened back then, and then it's conflicting stories and canon, whatever. So we we have Venom, where he's still kind of in the gray area between you know crazy villain or you know the lethal protector type of thing and and you know he's starting to look dabble into the lethal protecting like at one point he, he tries helping this uh you know homeless guy and it the the results don't go so well but and venom is not eddie's not even aware of what happened but so that was kind of interesting so we'll, we'll see what happens there then there was wolverine patch issue one this is another one this is out of continuity because at first i'm like okay wolverine's going back to being patched but no so this is by larry hama so this is taking place back during that era when larry hama was writing the wolverine series and he created this patch persona i never really understood the patch persona so he's just like you know he's got the same hairstyle as wolverine looks like him he's just wearing a patch and he pops his claws everyone i don't know if he's i don't i don't remember so much I don't know. Remember if he was just a kind of selective, like how often and in, in, in front of who he pops his claws. But it's like, wow, man, you're just like that that mutant guy in the X Men team. So it just seems weird, and it's just the fact that he's going around with a patch over his eye the whole time. It's like, wouldn't I? I, I don't feel like that. That's super healthy for your eye. That one eye. I, I feel to me, and I just there's no logic or science to it that I know of. 
but it it feels like okay you're using one eye and you're not using the other eye so your one eye is going to be more worn out than your other one because your other one's just like not being used and maybe it's going to get weaker i i don't know i don't know if the, but it's the fact that okay you're so committed to this role that you're giving yourself a blind spot you're you're ruining your your vision so someone can sneak up on you from that side maybe not because of his senses he can smell or hear but it just just seems weird and just the story it was okay i yeah it, there's basically patch is hired by the prince dude to madripoor to check out this area and then he sees there's some stuff going on there and then as he's you know um wolver or patch and uh what's what's the dude's name uh I forget the pilot dude. There, they come across like a shield helicarrier, and they're like Nick Fury's, like you're. In, we got like this operation going. We're watching this, and you're in the area, and so we'll see what happens here. And in X Deaths of Wolverine issue five, I'm not really sure <laughs> what what the ending means here. So it says, wait, the future crashes the present with the showdown. You'll have to see to believe. Week ten, it's Wolverine versus Wolverine. With the time-traveling mission behind him, the truth will be revealed, but who or what will remain as the Omega Wolverine? So we got this Wolverine for the future, trying to make sure certain things are prevented, but this Wolverine was infected by the Falnix, like the, the techno-virus alien species things. So they're, they're fighting this other uh, Wolverine who... And now I don't remember was trying to kill Moira. So, you know, Moira's man not doing so well. You know, everyone's trying to kill her, it seems like. So there's some development stuff with Moira, but I'm trying to I'm not really sure what this means for Moira, even though I read the issue. So it's like I, I'm not sure if this ending is a good thing or a bad thing for mutant kind and where what's gonna happen next. So that's it's just weird because I feel like this is like this a big deal. It's like there it seems like it's a massive story, but it's it's just kind of contained in this X deaths of Wolverine. You know, it's it feels like this is something that should be fleshed out in, in an actual event or an actual X Men comics. So it's just just kind of weird. But also, what's kind of weird is uh, that's it for comics. So um, it seems a little little short, but that's it. All right, with Snowpiercer Season 3, Episode 9, a beacon for us all. So first of all, I want to say thank goodness for, for me that normally what they've done the past couple seasons is the season finale. They've made it like a, a two-hour season finale, which basically means they would show Episodes 9 and 10 of the season or whatever. So I'm, I'm glad that they're actually spreading it apart one because it makes it easier for me you know one hour less of tv to watch i know that's totally selfish but i think it's also better because it makes the season last one week longer so now especially after you know the way this episode ends it's like we're left in suspense for one more week before the season finale which maybe will be even a bigger cliffhanger so anyways i i this was a this was a big episode so it starts off ben's narrating he talks about, you know, we build our lives around the ones we love. When we lose them, we lose ourselves. So there's like a little flashback, you know, him and Melanie and everything like that. Melanie walks up to him and, you know, he's trying to call Melanie on the radio because, you know, they think that she's in this little train thing. Then it cuts to three months earlier. So we see, surprise, it is not really a surprise. It is Melanie on this little train. So she's hooked up to like some IVs and and, so, and she's, she's kind of like, like out of it. She gets woken up 
by like some alarm goes off she wakes up like with a start and a tree you see the train switches you know pick goes by one of the switch things so there's a little like zap of electricity or whatever energy from the battery and then you know she's drinking some liquids and she's keeping like a, a audio journal so it's like day 91 and she said she's on her second revolution i guess around the world uh she's outside wyoming so she does some uh she's doing some like sort of like a vertical pull-ups or something like that you know she there's not a lot of space in this little little train thing so she's trying to keep her 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 muscles her bodies in shape she notes that the battery's at 57 percent because you know it keeps charging up from from the switches whatever the temperature is and she's trying to see what it is outside not warm no sign of snow piercer there's no displacement of snow so they've gotten off the main track so she's not sure where, where you know which way they're going but she's going to continue then she sets a sleep sequence for eight days so she, she's basically sleeping for eight days and she wakes up takes liquids and, and whatever so um time passes she's like getting weak she's running low on liquids it kind of looks like you know she's losing her mind just being alone for so long then she's recording it's day 172 the last of her stimulant is gone, so she doesn't think her body's strong enough to wake up from sleep without it. So you know she's going to set the cycle for another eight days, but she doesn't know if she's going to wake up after that. So she's leaving a message for for Alex, and she's like, you know, this could be my final recording. Whatever sets uh, the sleep thing for another eight days. Then we see Layton in the present. He's walking the halls. He has his daughter, you know, the baby. She's kind of fussy and everything like that. Finally gets her to sleep. Then, you know, he, he goes in, in the, the room, puts her down, and then he tells Zara that, you know, he's going to go to the engine. So they're, they're, they tell him that they should have visuals soon. Ben tries calling in. He's like, Melanie, Melanie, whatever. She's out, so, you know, there's no answer. They try making up reasons like, well, you know, maybe she's on a different channel, whatever. And Alex is like, I know what you're thinking. She's like, she's been out there for six months, no food or water. And Leighton's like, well, if anyone can survive out there, it's her. And Josie, she's like, look, up on a track. So she sees something. There's actually like kind of like a parallel track going. So they, they, they start going up alongside it. Wilford, meanwhile, in, his, in the library, he's looking out a little window from the train. And he's like, oh, there, there it is, whatever. Till wakes up and she notes the time, so she, I guess she overslept or whatever. And Audrey's laying next to her, and um, she's saying how she had a, you know great night's sleep, you know the best that she's had in a while. And then she you know she's getting dressed to to go and see like what's going on, and everything. And then she asks Audrey, she's like, "Is something happening here?" And Till's like, "I don't know if there's a feeling or something you know going on with you. It's like maybe this is happens you know all the time with you." And Audrey's like, "Not like this." So is audrey playing till you know it's, it's, we'll have to see so they they get like the big metal arm winch thing you know they're they're trying to hook it up to the, the little train josie climbs on and you know she has she's trying to hook up this chain they're going real fast you know it's windy and everything like that so finally she hooks it up they lift the little car up josie you know climbs back to snow piercer the little train is is lifted up over and then it's just like roof compartment opens up and it's dropped in so Ben uh, tells Alex, he's like, go on. He's like, I got this. So they, they go in there. And Wolford even, he kind of chuckles from from the, where he's at. So they, they know that they must have the little train. So it's like, is he actually happy? I mean, it, it's it's okay. We'll see. So they, they open the car door. Then Ben goes in, which which is weird that Ben's there. Cause, and, you know, the doctor is, is there too, the good doctor. And she's, the doctor's like, she's alive. Then they see she's like on a suspension drug. So they, they you know, they take her to the hospital section or whatever. And, and they're all in there. And the doctor's like, everyone out. So then it cuts to three days later. 
you see Alex is like you know sleeping there, sitting next to her, you know, with her head on 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 the bed, and then Melanie opens her eyes and she looks around and she sees Alex and she smiles and she kind of reaches out and she's like hi, and Alex like you're real, so then they hug. There's tears and Melanie's like where are are we and she's like Mel or Alex is like we're in Cairo, you know, a couple of days from the the Horn of Africa, close to New Eden. She's like we found it, and she tells him you know Leighton is running the the train they beat wilford bad news about the aquarium i'm trying to remember what happened to the aquarium um then and this was like very touching you know seeing you know mother and daughter together after you know all this time and and being apart from before and reconciling whatever but so alex like i kept you alive in my head she's like i imagine what you would say what you would think and al or melanie's like you were with me too all the time so then Ben comes in and he's just like happy and surprised. And he's like, you look good. And she's like, yeah, get out of here. And he's like, how did you endure it? And she's like, I knew that, you know, you would find me. So Ruth goes to talk to Roche and he's like, have you seen her yet? She's like, oh, not yet. You know, she's like, I'm sure her dance card's full or whatever. And uh, they're talking just a, a bit. And he mentions how they're about to pass the pyramids. And he's like, his wife always wanted to go there and then once they got on the train, they're passing by the pyramids like every three months. So Ruth's like, we should celebrate, you know, the last time we'll pass them. So they start talking about having a party. They're like, let's have one tonight. Alex talks to Wilford about Melanie, you know, going in and out of suspension. He, and he's he's like, oh, that's, you know, she's brilliant. And so she knew that there would be a, a track where she was at with supplies. So she saved herself through suspension. And he tells Alex, like, she truly is a wonder. Then he's like, I need to see her. And Alex is a bit surprised. She's like, I bet you do. He's like, oh, by the way, you don't need to thank me for saving her. It's not necessary. And she's like, well, that's good. And, and then she starts leaving. And then he's like, he's like, oh, how are your hands? And she's like, steady as a rock. He's like, oh, come on, for old time's sake. So they hold out their hands. Hers is steady, but his is shaking a bit. And he, he looks a little disappointed, so he puts his, his hand down. And then he's like, oh, I walked into that one. You can see Alex feels a little sorry for him. She's like, well, that's just because you're out of practice. Then he's like, oh, do you still care? And he kind of starts laughing, and she kind of gets mad that you know she admitted this, whatever. So she walks away. He's like, oh, I'm just having fun. And, and she mutters. She's like, the closer we get to New Eden, the less you matter. So Melanie's uh, sitting with her eyes closed, and then Leighton comes in. He's like, oh, you know, you're probably still feeling you know, off for a bit. And, you know, he's like, you'll get, you get used to it, whatever, it'll, you know, it'll go away. And she's like, oh, I guess I never apologized for locking you in a drawer. And he's like, well, whatever. So she thanks him for keeping the train going, keeping her, her daughter safe. And he says that, that Alex, you know, she really is, is something else. And they wouldn't have made it this far without her, you know. And she's like, you know, it's been a heck of a journey that they've been on. She says that, you know, it's been dicey. And he's like, it still is. And she's like, that's why she knows that he lied to the passengers, saying that you know he'd been to New Eden, and he's like, "Do you disapprove?" And she's like, "Well, you know, it's, it's not my call." And he's like, "That's not what I asked." So Melanie's like, "Well, lying is a form of empathy. You know, you you like to protect others from the burdens that you don't want them to bear, but if you keep people in the dark, you take away their power." So you know, she's just like, "You you just need to know that you're right," and he's like is that what you told yourself and she kind of chuckles and then he's like you know i'm glad you're back he's like is there anything i can do for you and she's like yeah get me out of here so he takes her to engine she sees javi you know his scars his face and everything she gives him a hug and he's like welcome home and he like kind of motions to the chair she sits down kind of runs her hand over to console so you know she's back 
So later, she's like looking over maps and stuff. She looks at like the radar maps from the Horn of Africa. Ben tells her, it's like, oh, it's built on your model. And he's like, the more data that we entered, the more robust it became. She says that you know she needs to talk to Wilford and she needs to find out why he found her. And Ben's like, he's just playing games and he's just trying to stay relevant. Then we see LJ leave the night, night car and Oswald is like, where are you going? And she's like, I'm just stretching my leg. He's like, oh, I'll go with you. And she's like, if I wanted you to join, I'd ask. So it's just like, ugh. So he he decides to follow her, and she goes to the market, and she meets with, like, the kind of crazy doctor or whatever, and she hands her, like, this little, like, liquid vial little pack thing. So it's like, is this drugs? Like, what the heck is that? Leighton and Ben take Melanie to see Wilford, and Leighton's like, are you sure you don't want backup in there? And she's like, oh, he'll probably reveal more if it's just me. So then he sees her, and she's, like, in the flesh, and he's like, so or she's like how's that sitting with you and he smiles he's like mixed so he offers her a drink and he's like oh you know sorry for leaving you to die and she's like whatever you know she's like, oh, it was, it was it was great i got a lot of me time so he mentions how uh leighton doesn't have the balls to get rid of him and sometimes you know wilford does tricks he's like case in point and so then like cheers so finally she's like well i'm here tell me why and he's like well i'm tired of being the only sane person left in the road he's like you know, I, I need your help. And she says, or he, he says that he knows that she's seen by now how to, the whole train is caught up in the fantasy of New Eden. And she's like, well, the data is promising. And he starts talking about the track conditions that, you know, once they take the turn to the horn, there's no coming back. And someone has to be the grown up and keep these people safe. So Leighton and Ben talking to the engine and Leighton's like, oh, I'm happy for you guys. You know, it's good seeing you two together again. And then Ben's like, oh, you, you and Zara found your way back together. And Leighton's like, you know, Liana's a whole new perspective. But Zara and he don't want to really be together. He's like, they're just co-parents. And Ben says that, well, he's like, well, I know how you feel about Josie. And he's like, you know, it, it took me a while to tell Melanie how I failed. So he's basically like, you know, don't don't wait too long. You know, it, it took like the snow and the freeze, you know, whatever. So then this some lady comes looking for LJ. And Osweiler's like, oh, she's not interested. And LJ comes out. She's like, oh, don't listen to him. And, and she hands a little, the, the he, she hands the lady this vial. And then she pushes Osweiler like back into like their sleeping quarters. And, you know, she asks if there's anything she can do. And she, then she pulls out her knife and she starts like threatening him. So she's kind of like on top of him. And she's talking like, oh, you know, thermal artery, you know, this and that, whatever like that. And, you know, she's got the knife down by his crotch and all that. She thought that he was the only one that wouldn't try to change her. And I was like, he's like, well, I, I won't, whatever. He's like, I love you. And then she puts her knife away and she's like, good. She's like, I love you too. But don't think I won't sacrifice what I love to get what I want. And she gives him a little peck and then lays next to him. So then I don't know if it's just now or if he just he's just now realizing she's cuckoo or he's just like, Jesus. So the plans for the party start start going on. Um, that dude Tristan comes up. He tells Ruth, he's like, "We have 246 bottles of champagne left. You know, how many do you want brought up?" And she's like, "All of them." And it's like, you really want to go through all of them? It's like, even if you're getting off the train, it's like this is the last of the champagne forever because who's going to make more? Alex and Melanie are getting ready for a party, and Alex asks, "She's like, does this jacket look right?" Uh, and everything like that. She's like, "You know, this is my first party with Carly, and you know, I want it to be perfect." So I was kind of wondering, you know, does does Alex have a crush on Carly or not? Yeah, maybe she does. She's, you know, she's like, I want this night to be perfect or at least great. But then she's like, the the last time I tried to have a friend, it was with Lila Jr. And Melanie's like, wait, you were friends with LJ? And Alex's like, I'll spare you the details. Then Melanie says that, you know, she had a chance to look over the new Eden data 
um, some more. And Alex like, oh, you know, talk about having your mom check over your homework. But Melanie's like, are you nervous? You know, the data is inconclusive. You know, you they, you don't actually know what's there. And she asks Alex, you know, what are your what are your thoughts? The chance of survival, eighty percent, sixty percent. And she's like, what about the the track to the horn? You know, intel is bad or absent. They could derail before they even get there. And Alex is like, well, it's a good thing we have our best driver back on board. And Melanie's like, I'm serious. And Alex's like, I know you are, but we made the call. And she's like, you were dead, never coming back, or at least that's what the intel said. And she's like, if there's one thing that you taught me, you know, sometimes it's good to take a leap of faith. So Melanie looks at Alex and then she's like, you look perfect. And she's like, you are perfect. So then they hug and she's like, it's so good to see you happy. Till finds Audrey, asks if she'd like to go with her to party and, you know, like as a date. And Audrey's like, you know, I'd love to, but you know, I, people probably haven't forgiven me yet and everything like that. So then Till's like, well, you know, we can skip it. You, you can do something else. She's like, are you serious? Leighton finds Josie, you know, they're out in the hall, they're heading to the party. So he wants to talk to her alone. He, and he finally tells, he's like, you know, I love you. I have for a long time. I should have told you sooner. There's just too much apocalypse, you know, going on. And she kind of laughs. You know, she doesn't have to say anything. He just needed her to know. And she's like, I, I love you too. She's like, I hope you know that, but I can't be with you. Not right now. You know, there's too many pieces of ourselves that we left behind. It's like, you know, you need to lead the people off the train and everything like that. There's just too much going on. So the party's happening. Melanie enters a big room. People clap when she like goes down the stairs. Um, she goes up to Ruth and she's like, it looks wonderful in here. And Ruth's like, what's well, that every day? Your friend comes back from the dead. And she's like, I missed you and blah, blah, blah. So they hug. Alex introduces Melanie to her friend Carly, and Carly's like, oh, it's an honor to meet you. And Alex is like, what? And she's like, shut up, and, you know, because Carly's all nervous and everything, you know, the big engineer, Cavill, whatever. So the big lady comes, you know, and she's like, oh, extra dessert for what? Because of the party, whatever. The liquid capsule thing is like under a napkin, so he like kind of palms it. He takes it. Then he tells the guard, he's like, oh, there's no reason for you to have to miss a party. And he like reaches for the bookshelf. He opens this like secret door, and they're like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, what? You know, it's just like cigars and stuff. So he had this secret stash there. He starts handing them out. Audrey and Till are dressed up. And so Till took her to the night car. She's like, I know you haven't seen it in a while. I thought you'd like to see it one more time before, you know, we get off the train. Melanie is off on her own. Uh, you know, he's just, she's just sitting there, and Leighton comes up to her, asks, "Is everything all right?" And she's like, "I don't think New Eden is a good idea." She's like, "The math doesn't add up." And he's like, "You know, look around." He's like, "We're going." So the guards with Wilford, they light up their cigars, but it's like weird. It's like you're lighting cigars in a library where there's books. You know, these are the last of the books or whatever, and the smoke and whatever. Audrey and Taylor together, they're dancing and stuff like that. Ruth talks to everyone. She, you know, makes a toast and everything. Toasts engineer Cavill. You know, time and time again, she put her life on the line. To new beginnings, they start passing the pyramids. You know, they're like, look outside. And you know, while everyone's looking out the window, Melanie walks off. Osweiler goes up to Roche, and Roche is like, "Where's the missus?" And he's like, "That's what I want to talk to you about." He's like, "I think she's up to something with the something bad with the Wilfordites." He's like, "You know, something's coming to a head." Then Roche is like, "We should probably go talk to Leighton." Melanie comes on to intercom. And she's like, you know, tonight I've seen, you know, a Snowpiercer unlike any I've seen before, you know, united, orderly, you know, free from class and greed. And, you know, hope is good, but they must remember what got them this far, you know, reason, discipline, and truth. She says a journey to the Horn of Africa is not safe. The track is unsound. You know, New Eden is a fiction invented by Leighton. He and his crew have never been there. He lied to you. And then she's like, it's 8.42 p.m. The temperature outside is minus 98 degrees. Good night, Snowpiercer. So it's like, ouch. 
So Wilfred, he's like, enjoy it while it lasts. We're at war. And then people start going to Leighton, you lied to us, blah, blah, you know, all this stuff like that. And then, so Leighton and Ben, they, they get out of it. They go to Engine, and then Javi and Melanie are standing by the door. And Javi's like, you lied to us. And Melanie, she's like, sorry. She's like, I had no choice. So then Javi closes the door, seals it, locks them out. So Ben, he's over in Big Alice, I guess, in Wilford's room. And then Melanie calls to Ben. And she's like, I know you're upset. And she's, you know, she's like, the, the turn is coming. And she's like, I had to do it. And he's like, you did it unilaterally. And he's like, that's just your, your go-to move. He's like, you know, you betrayed us. You killed all hope. And she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, goodbye, Mel. And she's like, wait. She's like, is Alex with you? And he just hangs up the, the, the intercom phone thing. So Javi tells her, he's like, oh, I can't believe Ben lied. And, and she's something like, you know, it's, it's it's not about the lie. He's like, no, oh, it is about the lie, whatever. And he, then he's like, you, know, you have support out there. He's like, first is secure. So then she's like, okay, I want to go talk to that snake in the grass. So they go to the library section. They see like the library doors open and then the guards are like laying on the floor and their eyes are, there's like kind of like blood and like, or something like coming out of their, like, their eyes and mouth. And then the drug vial is just like sitting next to the floor next to like some smoking cigars. And so where did Wilford go? He escaped and he's going to start up something. So it's just like, oh my gosh, Wilford. It's just like, they, they just keep giving him too much. And he, you know, he just keeps taking it and, so we'll have to see what happens now. No one's going to trust Le- Leighton's done. They're not going to trust him again. And is Melanie going to lead now? Maybe. And Wil- Wilford. Whew. So one more episode. Okay, then with The Flash, season eight, episode eight, The Fire Next Time. Um, This was an okay episode. It... Yeah, let's just get get to it. So it starts out uh, this this bar, this dude stand. He's uh, this bartender like leaves, you know, she leaves and and stands like goes to put up a bar stool and he like burns his hand on on a wooden stool somehow, and then uh, he's like, "Well, I'm not going to pay anymore" or something like that. You know, he's like saying something like that. Then smoke started appearing, start, start, and then there's like the jukebox turns on. And there's like all this shimmery smoke, and he screams. Then we see Barry. He's like sitting in the kitchen or whatever. The he's just kind of like his mind is, is somewhere else. He's just like thinking. Iris comes in and he's like, "Oh, I made coffee, whatever." And she's like, "Oh yeah, I was thinking we can get an early dinner reservation for tonight." And and he's just like, "Sure," you know. And it's just like, okay, you know, not not super excited. But then she looks at the calendar, and she, she doesn't seem to say anything. But but you know, there, there's like nothing really there. But then she's like, "Actually, why don't we stay in?" And he's like, oh, he's like, whatever, you know, he's like, that's fine. I'm okay. And, you know, he's like, I just have to get used to it. It's just another day. You know, he's like, things are busy, whatever. And then, you know, he gets a taxi or he's like, I got to go to work. So but I, I literally, they, they showed a calendar twice. I'm looking at it. I'm looking. It's like, I think Barry has to go to the dentist. You know, you have to pay taxes or there's, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, there's nothing here. Like, what's going on? There's, like, literally nothing happening on this calendar that they would be upset about. So Barry got called into the bar. And Chester's there. And uh, he says that fires freak him out or whatever. So the Vic's name was, like, Stanley something. And so he's a manager of the place. Chester says that it was definitely a meta attack because there's dark, the dark matter is off the chart. So this, this cop officer lady comes in and they ask if there's anything that they can use to try to piece things together. Apparently the bartender says that Stan got an argument last night with this recently paroled ex-convict. And he was also wearing this Lips, L-I-P-S, um, band concert shirt. And then Barry's like, he 
it kind of means something to him. So then he's like, can I show the bartender a picture who, of someone who might be a suspect? And she, the cop's like, like, yeah. So he goes over and shows her this picture of this fire meta named J- Jacko Birch, the self-proclaimed hotness. I don't really remember hotness. I, f- I feel like, you know, he must have appeared before. Maybe I'm just totally blocking it or he didn't leave a big impression on me. But when I looked at him, I'm like, seriously? So he was arrested in 2018, and once she looks at, you know, there's like this art news article that Barry pulled up, and she looks at him, she's like, yeah, that's him. So the officer is going to put on APB, and Chester says that, you know, um, that this hotness dude is usually about the moolah, not the murder, plus, you know, how could he kill someone without burning the whole place up? And Barry says, <laughs> he says, looks like we're not the only ones leveling up. <laughs> What is with leveling up? Well, I don't know why everyone. It's it's like it's been almost every single episode. It, there's been talk of someone leveling up. Usually, it's been Barry leveling up. I feel like is this like some phrase that pays or something like that? Is 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 someone like getting a kickback every time they say leveling up? Oh man! Um, so Allegro she's uh talking to iris she's you know the, the bullpen they're supposed to have article ideas for articles or something like that uh iris looks at him but she's like oh but i have my own idea she gives allegra a file so there's this lady rosie levin and uh, allegra she's like she's a shallow social media influencer she's like i don't think that that's the way to go and iris is like yeah but you know it's what the people want Five hundred thousand of them you know, in fact, so she's basically like, you know, we do this profile article about her, maybe, you know, her followers will, you know, check it out and maybe, you know, they'll get new viewers or, or what subscribers and stuff like that. And so Allegra looks out at the office, the, the, the glass wall window, whatever to, to the bullpen. And I was like, is there a problem? And Allegra's like, no, she's like, well, actually, yeah. She's like, Taylor came to me with this story and I didn't think it was right for us, so she went behind my back. And Iris is like, she believed in the story, and she followed protocol, and she made an appeal to the editor-in-chief. She's like, is that a problem? And Agra's like, yeah, I mean, no. If, if they know that they can come see you when I say no, then my word means nothing. Iris is like, look, you're still their boss, and I'm still yours. Sometimes we're going to disagree on the stories that we're going to tell. It's part of the process. So Iris suggests, she's like, why don't the two of you interview Rosie? and you know you you're her supervising editor so go supervise plus opposing views can make the article more interesting so then we see jacko so he's part of like event security at the venue where lips the band is going to play and he's like talking to roadie he's like careful with that equipment don't you know these rock gods that you're you know blah 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 whatever so his kids there this kid's kind of a dork he's got this weird haircut and almost like like skinny jeans on and and then so Jacko goes up to him and he's like, oh, you know, sorry, I couldn't get you to backstage pass, I promise. But, you know, money's tight or whatever. And the kid's like, whatever, do you know, whatever. And he calls him like Jacko. You know, he calls him by his name, you know, he's that. And then Jacko's like, you know, maybe, you know, afterwards we can go and get something to eat or whatever. And, you know, I could tell you the stories about the bands that play there. And his kid's like, you're not with the band. You're just arena security. It's like anyone can do that. So he's just like, you know, what stories do you have to tell or whatever? Then uh, police zip up to the place. Uh, they have like big rifle guns. I'm assuming they're meta guns or something like that. They tell him that he's under arrest for murder. And then, you know, they, they try like taking his kid to safety and he gets mad 
because they're trying to take him away you know he, even though they're trying, trying to take him someplace sa- safe so his his hands and arms like catching fire uh barry arrives flash arrives shoves him into a fountain and then like cuffs him and he's like yelling he's like i'm innocent he's like i didn't do anything he's like don't let them take you know take away my take me away from my son or whatever and then barry's is thinking back to his dad getting arrested when he was a kid so Barry has Cecile look over Birch's file, and she's like, based on uh, you know what happened, she suggests that he starts thinking about a plea bargain. And Barry's like, he's kind of agitated or something like that, but he's like, he's he says that he just wants to make sure that they got the right guy. And she's like, it seems like they do. You know, he got an argument with the guy before. He has no alibi. The crime matches. Barry's like, yeah, but he was released for good behavior. And he says, plus there's there's no hard evidence that he did it. You know, last night he supposedly killed a man and instead of lying low, he went back to work as a security guard. Barry says that, you know, he's like, I, I worked hundreds of cases like this, but something just doesn't feel right to me. And she's like, well, he has motive, he has opportunity. You know, he mentions his uh, reaction when he was taken in front of his son that, you know, he was like, he was begging Barry to do something. And he asks if she'll meet with him to get like a reading off of him. She says, like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll meet with him, but you know, using my power to read a client is an ethical line I can't cross. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, he's like, I just don't want to see someone to go to prison for a crime they didn't commit. But it's weird she's saying that's an ethical. I feel like she's used her powers for her own benefit before, and now all of a sudden she's getting high and mighty about not wanting to use her powers. I I don't know about that. And jitters, the interviews is happening with Rosie and uh just Taylor's like totally into it, and Allegra's just like she's kind of like looking at the end of her hairs. I mean, maybe look for split ends or whatever. And you know, Taylor asked something. He's like, "Oh, that was a really bold move when you did this, whatever, like that." And and Rosie's like, "Yeah, you know, institutionalized learning felt like a total prison." And uh, this really rubs Allegra the wrong way. And you know, because so Taylor's like on the edge of her seat, and oh, Allegra's like, "Trust me, it's not." <laughs> Because you know she's been in prison, so then she gets distracted when she sees like some lady sweeping in, in jitters. You know, so she gets up and goes over. She's like Lydia, and she's like, "It's it's good to see you." And so this Lydia person, she's like, "Oh, look who decided to come and say hi." She's like, "I haven't seen you since Iron Heights, at least not in person." And she's saying how her face is plastered all over. You know, the news website she works with and everything like that. Then Allegra asks, she's like, have you been working here, you know, since you got out? And Lydia's like, no. She's like, my first gig was cleaning out porta potties. She's like, that was fun. So this is kind of a promotion for me. Not that you would care. So, you know, she says, uh, you know, she wouldn't, you know, check on her friends. You know, she walked into a good career. She's like, so, you know, good for you. Meanwhile, you know, I busted my butt to get my GED in prison and look where it got me. And Allegra's like, but this is just temporary. She's like, I'm sure you can do better. And Lydia's like, gee, thanks. And Allegra's like, I didn't mean it like that. And then so Lydia's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I know what you meant. She's like, the truth is cleaning floors is the best I can do with a record like mine. And Allegra's like, you know, she's like, I don't really know what that's like, but I'd like to. She's like, I, I want to try to help you. She's like, let me share your story with the world. So then Cecilia, or Cecile, Cecilia, Cecile meets with Jacko. And, you know, she's like, Harold, his, his son is fine. He's with social services. Uh, he says, you know, his mother barely took care of him when he was in Iron Heights. So that's why, you know, he got his act together. Harold never really forgave him for banding him. And he's like, I don't blame him. He's like, every second of that four-year sentence, you know, he was serving time too. So, so then they ask him, like, what happened? 
last night, you know, he got in an argument. He said that he sold Stan a guitar so he could buy backstage passes. Then at the last minute, Stan decided to only pay him half of what he agreed on. So they argued and he said it wasn't over and then he went home. And he was like, well, is your, was your son there? You know, can he vouch for you? He's like, no, he was out with his friends. So, you know, he basically doesn't have an alibi. And, you know, he says he's innocent. And, you know, as he's talking to Cecile, he like slams his cuff on the table. He's like, it's like I won't leave my son again. And there's just like, yikes. You know, and Barry's like watching through through the, the mirror. So Cecile talks to Barry after. She's like, the evidence just points to Birch as the killer. And, you know, he's like, well, what does your gut tell you? You know, and she's like, you know, whether he's innocent or not, he definitely believes he's innocent. She's like, but that's not nearly enough. Barry's like, but if there's any chance that he's innocent, you know, we have to help him and then they see kind of officers running down the hall so it turns out jacko escaped <laughs> so it's like maybe he's not innocent the bartender is, is throwing out trash in the dumpsters and then jacko's there you told the cops i killed stan and she's like i only told him what i saw which isn't really much she's like so we're good right and he loudly says i'm gonna lose my son because of you because of what you said and she's like, you just got to relax. She's like, you know, maybe I didn't see anything. He's like, damn straight, because you're going to take it back. And then his jacket's like starting to smoke. You're going to take it all back right now. And then she screams. So Barry's at Star Labs. They're looking for Birch on the satellites. And, you know, he says that the fact that he escaped doesn't change the evidence that doesn't fully link him to the murder. Cecile, Frost, and Chester, they're all going on about like, well, why did he escape if he's innocent? And then he brings up, he's like, well, you know, Frost went running when Chilblain framed her. And Frost says that, you know, well, he could be halfway across the country now. Barry's like, no, not without his son. So then they detect fire outside the bar on the satellites. So Frost is like, you know, Barry's going to go. She's like, I'll go with you, you know, for backup. So it's weird. Somehow he grabs her arm and then they run. I'm still not sure if he's carrying them, like what he's doing. But when they get there, they're in their costumes. So it's like, did Barry dress her and himself or it's like what did they he take her to her place like hey okay i'm gonna close my eyes put on your, your costume or is, does she just transform somehow does she have magic tech costume like he does probably so then she's like holy crap so there's this charred body there and she blasts it with some ice but then it just kind of like heats up some more so she blasts it again she's like what kind of fire is this and barry's like i think i know who this is it's like, do you? So at the the citizen at the paper, Allegra is like busy typing away, and Taylor's like, I thought we were supposed to be working together on this. And Allegra's like, next time. And then as Iris walks out into the bullpen, um, so you know, Allegra right, right now she's like, you know, she's in the zone, and Iris is like, how'd the interview go? And Allegra's like, the story's exploding out of me. And Iris is like, so it went well. And Taylor's like, peachy. So Allegra says that she's like, you're going to love this. She's like, I promise. It's Taylor excuses herself to get some air. And she just gets up leaving. And Iris, she's like, okay, I'm going to leave you to it. So Barry tells a gang that the bartender's body matches the burn lesions on Stan's body exactly. Almost like two exactly. He's like, there's no pyrokinetic meta that could replicate burns like that. And Cecile says, he's like, you have to see how this looks. And Barry's like, no, the evidence still doesn't link him directly. There's no DNA. There's no fingerprints. There's no witnesses. Cecile says that 
they see that he's trying to do the right thing here, but maybe he's not thinking clearly. And he's like, oh, so that's it. You're already deciding he's guilty. And Chester says, he's like, well, we're just looking at the facts, man. <laughs> and Barry's like, he's like, well, so am I. And he asks Chester, he's like, can you please look at, at this and see what you can find? You know, he's whatever he has, the evidence he found. Then he looks at Cecile and he, and he shrugs. Uh, you know, Chester looks at her. So like, wait, does Chester need Cecile's permission or her okay this? And she just like, she's like, okay. He says that they, they've been trying to pin it on Birch from the beginning, and they say that they've been trying to help him. But Barry's like, you know, both victims worked at the bar, so maybe they owed someone money or they pissed off the wrong person, which, you know, Stan did say something about money, and I, but then that could have been to Birch, right? Birch, uh, being a pyro meta, makes him the perfect fall guy. Cecile's like, oh, now you think he's being framed? And he says that he believes that Birch is innocent, so with or without their help, he's going to do everything in his power to clear his name, and he zips off. So Barry's in his CSI office. He's, like, mapping out the case on, on the, the big board. Joe comes in. He's like, oh, it's been, like, eight years since I've seen the board. He's like, you know, last time it was a different guy. And he's like, Cecile, told me what happened. And Barry's like, well, I'm fine. Joe's like, no, you're not. He's like, I know what today is. You know, February 1st. It's Henry's birthday. So they, they talk about the past and stuff like that. And then Birch is looking his eyes when he was arrested. You know, he says that if his gut tells him not to give up on Birch, then don't. So then, then Chester texts, they found something that he should see ASAP. So Allegra shows Iris her article. Iris says that you know, she thinks it's very engaging and beautifully written article. But as strong as the article is, it's not what she assigned her. And Allegra says that, you know, she has a connection and it will help, you know, connect the readers. Iris says, but I wanted you to make the other one special to help a colleague. So, and, you know, she hands her like what Taylor wrote. So I guess it's just, it's not that good. So she's like, there's decent writing, but it's all surface. There's no deep meeting. She's like, it could have been better if you did what I asked. And Allegra's like, but I saw it wasn't going anywhere. So I followed my instinct. And she's like, I thought you, this is what you would have wanted. And Iris is like, what I want is for you to learn to be a supervisor. Uh, you know, that's why I'm trying to teach you like to be a mentor. Instead, you did the opposite. But, you know, she's like, I have an obligation to readers to publish best article and yours is amazing. So it'll get people talking. But she wants Allegra to talk to Taylor. And she's like, you're her boss. So it's up to you to fix this, not the other way around. So Barry arrives at Star Labs. It's like he was right. Both signatures produced like this nuclear fusion, cold fusion, whatever, stuff like that. So this evidence could clear Birch. And Barry says that, you know, he'll get the evidence of CCPD and he has to find Birch before he does anything stupid. Harold's in this like SUV with the protective service lady and, and the, the cop officer. She says that, you know, the, the, the social services says that, you know, they're going to find a place for him and make the transition as easy as possible. And he's like, whatever. So he's, he says that he's used to Jacko being a screw-up, especially since he got his powers, and then he puts his earpods in. Then somehow, suddenly, Jacko's standing in the middle of the road. I want my son now! I don't know how he found magically found him. The officer gets out with like the big meta rifle or whatever, so she tells him to get down on his knees, and Jacko's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to let you you know cart off my son to a bunch of strangers. And he starts like smoking. Not smoking like a cigarette. He starts smoking, literally. Then Chester detects uh, Jacko's heat, and he also detects a social services van, which is weird how they can find like this so easily, whatever. 
process they still don't know that Jacko's innocent. So if he does something, Barry and Barry's just like still just standing there talking about it. Like he's like, Oh, we, we gotta find him. It's like, dude, just go and stop him instead of just sitting there talking. Jacko says that he just wants his son. Then the ground shakes a little bit. Harold gets out of the van and he's like, It's okay, I'm not scared of him. The ground shakes some more. And Jacko's like he tells me he's like i know what this looks like but i swear it's like i'd never hurt anyone and harold's like what's wrong with you you get that you're a total loser right and jack goes like i am a, a total loser it's like i have been since the day i was born i thought getting powers would change all that but it only made things worse it's turned the only good thing in my life against me and then the ground shakes and it's an officer he's like all i wanted you know when i got out of iron heights was a clean start and get my life together so we could be a family then his arms like flame up officer's like last warning and he's like you know who cares he's like it won't matter you know what he does he's like you'll think i'm a killer and take my son away but i won't let you so he gets ready to throw fire but then barry and frost arrive so he spins his arms to put out jacko's flames i don't know why i'm moving my hands <laughs> but jacko so he's like you can't stop me and flash is like i know you didn't kill anyone he's like your lawyer has evidence that proves but you have to stop what you're doing before anyone gets hurt. So he motions the officer to like lower her rifle. The ground shakes again. Jack was like, I'm not doing that. And Barry's like, you already did. So then it almost like there's something under this car on the side goes off. I don't know if it was like a, some sort of manhole cover or something like that, but it was weird because at first I was like, did someone put something under the car? But it, it like kind of goes up. Molten lava shoots up from the ground and like shoots the car up in the air. It lifts it up. Flash says that, uh, Jacko's powers affect the thermal activity in Earth. And he talks to Chester. He's like, and Chester's like, there's a volcano worth of lava underneath the city. So it, somehow it's opened up this channel or whatever. Ground starts like cracking. Lava's like oozing. So Jacko tells Flash that he has to save them. So, you know, he needs Jacko to help him. He needs him to absorb the heat. He's like, I've never done anything like that. And Flash is like, I know you can do it. And then Jacko's like, let's rock and then like music starts playing barry disappears on the ground <laughs> and then like smoke shoots up and jacko screams yeah he like inhales all the smoke like i don't know if like he's supposed to be like doing drugs or something like that and chester's like yes 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 it's like shut up dude <laughs> barry zipped apparently zipped down into the water to mix like water and lava lava to stop some of the heat whatever so that's where all the smoke came from and jacko apparently saved thousands of lives and harold's like you use your powers again to save us and then he hugs him oh my freaking god it's like what the heck this kid who's this angry jerky kid and then now suddenly he's hugging his dad and then there's like flashback of barry's dad getting out of prison <laughs> Jeez. so jacko's in cecile's office with barry um, she's on the phone. Social service is on the way with Harold. Uh, and so he's like, I can't believe you're, you know, you're letting me out. And Cecile's like, well, you know, Harold's almost 18 and they decided to let him go where he wanted to go. So Jacko thanks them. He says that, you know, Barry's the one who told the Flash not to give up on him. Then Harold arrives smiling. They hug again. So it's like apparently Harold got a haircut. He doesn't have this like weird, like curly lopsided hair. And then as Jacko is about to leave, he does a bro nod to Barry and, and they walk out. Cecile tells Barry, she's like, they're going to be all right. But the question is, are you? So Taylor angrily is reading Allegra's article, Life After Prison. Allegra walks up and she's like, come to gloat. And Allegra's like, no, the opposite. She's like, 
I need I know how this looks and I want to apologize. You know, Iris loved Lydia's story and they're running hers next week. So their audience deserves to read it. And Taylor sarcastically says, Thanks. Tell me, what did I deserve? What did I do to deserve getting stabbed in the back by my own supervisor? And she's like, Iris assigned you to help me, not run me over, which is exactly what you did. And Allegra's like, I didn't mean to. And, you know, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. I just got excited. And Taylor's like, you know, she's like, I was excited too. And so was Iris until you called in a favor with the boss. It's like, I guess you learned that in prison. So it's like, oh my gosh, you're like really crossing lines here left and right. Allegra just kind of bites her tongue. And she's like, you're right. I got lost in a great article. And she's like, you stole my byline. And Allegra's like, Taylor, we're still running your article. Because Iris is a journal is a journalist with ethics, something you are clearly lacking. Fine, good to know. And Allegra's like, look, I messed up. I said, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. I'm still your supervisor. So I'm hoping we can get past this, okay? Taylor smiles. I'm going to destroy you, yeah? And she walks away. Um, I don't see how any of this is acceptable is okay i mean it doesn't matter you can be like ticked off all you want iris made the call and if she feels that allegra is just calling in favors then don't work there you know it but right, to threaten your supervisor that's that's just just crazy so watch she's gonna somehow turn into meta and get like revenge on allegra or do something it's just whatever go away taylor <laughs> So then we see uh, Cecile, Joe, Iris, and Barry. They're sitting on a porch drinking light beer because that was Henry's favorite. They talk about him. They reminisce about different things, what they remember and stuff like that. Barry says that, you know, he's talking about the things that he remembered and everything like that. And he's, But he's like, I just remember being loved. He's like, I still miss him every day. So then later at Star Labs, Barry, Chester, and Frost are trying to figure out uh, if Birch didn't kill the two at the bar, then who did? So they're like thinking, then Barry asks Chester, he's like, can you pull, put the cold fusion data into the satellites? So he's looking for more victims. So then he's like, there's a meta serial killer out there and we need to find him before someone else gets hurt. And that's where the episode ends. So it's just like, mm, all right. So I, I, I don't know. It just, it was just, like I said, it was just okay. I, I, I'm not, I don't know. So we'll see what happens next week. But the man that Taylor and that that whole subplot. <sighs> okay, but then Superman and Lois season two episode eight into oblivion. So we see uh, Natalie. She's like sleeping in the bunker, I, I think, and she has a uh, dream flashes of her time with her dad and so. So I guess this is before on her Earth. This like alarm wakes her up. And uh, the computer AI, her computer AI, I think it's different than, than John Henry's. She calls it Hedy, H-E-D-Y. So it tells her it detects this a temporal anomaly moving through the galaxy, and it's compromising the integrity of their dimension or something like that. So her father just went up to orbit, so she can't like get a hold of her. So she gets into the ship and follows, and Hedy says that they're losing a connection to her father's ship or something like that. So then in the present... She's like at the hospital. She's like tending to her father, whatever. Lois and Clark knock on the door, asking if, she, if it's okay to come in. And she just kind of glares at them. And John's like, oh, of course. Of course you can come in. And Clark's like, we brought you a change of clothes for the ride home. Nat rolls her eyes. She's like, thanks. Lois is like, you know, they're so happy that they can finally come home. And he's like, you have no idea, Lois. He's like, I just want to spend time with my two girls. And it's like, whoops. Because uh, like in his earth, Lois was Nat's mom. 
and they were married. So Nat like looks at them and then she's like, Dad, that's not mom. And he's kind of confused and he looks at Lois and he quite he's like, What? And Nat's like, She's still gone. And then he looks, he's like, I know, I know. And everyone's like kind of concerned. So Nat talks to a doctor, says his, you know, his surgery was over a week ago. Why is this happening now? And the doctor's like, Well, you know, recovery takes time. You know, confusion is normal with brain trauma and it's it's temporary. So Nat wants to get another brain scan just to be sure. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Clark's like, you know, they'll find out um, when he's being discharged and, you know, he'll be there to take him home, both of them. And he says, Nat- Natalie, he's like, he's going to be fine. And she's like, you don't know that. And she walks away. So Kyle's waiting by the door inside. Uh, you know, he's waiting. He's going to take his girls like out to breakfast before school or whatever. So they're trying to get ready. Uh, Lana tells uh Kyle that this co-parenting thing will take some getting used to and he sees that you know her laptop is open and like Mary Dean's on there whatever so he asks her how it's going because you know she's preparing for the debate he's like you need another pair of eyes to look over what what you have and and she's like no I'm I'm okay so uh, Lois and Clark arrive home he's saying that Natalie blames him for John getting hurt and she's like you know we have to find out what Jonathan knows about the drugs, if he's ever going to go back to school. So they have parents calling him saying that they don't want him anywhere near their kids and it's not going to get any easier when they find out football's over. So Jonathan comes in, he's like, they canceled the season? And Clark's like, they had to forfeit all the wins since no one's talking about who else is using. The principal decided to just call it. And he's like, the first time in Smallville history because of you. So John, whose drugs were those? And he's like, I can't tell you. And he's like, you mean you won't? And he's like, Dad, you don't understand. No, I don't understand. I thought my son had a little more integrity than this. Then he hears a, hears something like that. He's like, oh, it must be Sam. He's like, maybe there's something about Anderson. And he just zips off. So Lois says that the principal says John can do his work online. So if he does all the work, turns it in on time, he won't lose a grade. And he asks, he's like, so am I just supposed to sit around the house all day? And she's like, no. She's like, you're going to start working at the at Britain Dunn's today. So that's that convenience store place. She gets up and then Jordan comes and whispers. He's like, he's like, hey man, why are you doing this? And John's like, just leave it alone. So he gets a text from Sarah about meeting before class. So we see Allie talking with Anderson and she's like, that's unexpected. You stopped Kal-El? And he's like, he's gone for good. And she's like, you killed him? And he's like, I had no choice. So both pendants are in his possession. And she sighs in relief. She's like, we could finally ascend. So he looks at her with confusion. And then she gets close to him. She's like, I need you to tell her, my other self. And then speaking backwards, she's like, come here now. So then he reverts back into his world. And then Allie and her one dude, whatever, they're there. He gasps. He's like, so they, they did the thing. They put him under whatever. And, and he crossed over. He's like, everything you said was true. I saw it. I saw me. And she's like, you know, you can become the best version of yourself by merging with your shadow self. And then she's like, did she give you any instructions? And he's like, she said, come now. Well, then we should go. We're all becoming gods. It's like, are you really? So Jonathan asks Lois, he's like, how long is, is dad going to be like this? And she's like, I'm guessing until you tell us where you got those drugs. And then Chrissy calls Lois, telling her Allie offered her a once-in-a-lifetime exclusive and is sending a car to pick her up. She's like, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. So apparently Allie trusts her now since she drugged her or whatever and almost killed her. So she gets into a van with these two dudes and she notices like Allie's not there. And the dude's like, are you coming or not? And he's like, I need your phone. 
so she has to hand over her phone and then she opens the door to the back of the van there's two guys in hazmat suits and she's like you know she's like look confused and he's like is there a problem so that she gets in so we see sarah and jordan walk down the hall she tells him that she had to go to uh or she tells him that she had dinner with aubrey and it says that you know her parents are divorced so talking to her is why she had breakfast with her dad this morning so he's like so uh are you you guys are just friends now and she's like just friends and she was hoping that maybe they could all hang out and jordan's like i i don't think that's a good idea and she's like i want aubrey in my life especially now with everything going on and he's like yeah but it's it's a little weird and she's like that's why we should all hang out you know it would mean a lot to me and then his super hearing picks up. Candace is being followed by some dude. She's like, you can't just follow me to my school. And he's like, well, then give me my money. And she's like, I don't have it. And Sarah's like trying to get it. She's like, Jordan, Jordan. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let, let's let's do it. So then you know she walks into the classroom. And then he walks over to Candace. And dude's like, those inhalers weren't free. And she's like, you'll get your money. And then Jordan butts in. He's like, leave her alone. And he just like looks at Jordan. And he tells Candace, he's like, you better bring my money tonight. And then he, he you know, she starts to walk away. Jordan is like, are you okay? And she's just like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's gone. So it's like, okay, jerky girl. <laughs> Sam tells uh, Superman that Anderson is still off the grid. Superman says that, you know, he's been using XK. He's got an armory of kryptonite weapons. Sam adds, and he blames you for ruining his life. He says that that's why he's doing everything he can to help. Also, General Hardcastle sends her sincerest apologies. Superman's like, for accusing me of treason? And uh, Sam's like, you know, don't worry. He's like, you've been cleared of all charges. So he opens up this little safe in the wall. He's like, you know, he's going to get the pendant out so Superman can figure out a way to destroy it. But the safe is empty. At the mines, Anderson like zooms up and like tosses a soldier aside. You know, Allie's van shows up. She's wearing a hazmat suit. And Chrissy's wearing one too now. So Sam and Clark are back at the farm sitting with Lois. Sam says that, you know, thanks to John Henry, they can track the heat signature dependent. Clark says that Anderson knows about Allie. He says that, you know, when he was locked up, he told him to look into her. So they wonder if he took the pendant to her. Lois mentions that Chrissy's going to meet with her. She said it was something big. Then Lois and Sam get a text from Lucy. I'm tired of feeling incomplete. I finally see the way through. And Lois is like, that sounds like a goodbye. And Clark's like, you know, we have to find her. And Sam's phone beeps. And then he's like, it looks like she's at home. And Lois is like, you tracked Lucy's phone? And he just kind of like holds out his hands like, mm, you know, he just kind of shrugs. And so Clark zips off. He says he'll check on her. And Lois is like, do you track my phone? And Sam doesn't answer. And then the scene changes. In the mines, they enter with the suits on. Allie's pendant is like kind of glowing. And she's like, we're close. Clark zips back to the, the farm. And it's like, Lucy wasn't home. Just her phone was there. So And, and he's like holding her phone in, in his hand. So it's like, if she comes back, how are they going to explain that, that he suddenly has her phone? So Lois is like, she's not there. Chrissy isn't answering her phone. Anderson is missing. It's like, you know, could they all be together? So, you know, the other Superman said that he came through a portal in the mines. And Sam's, you know, he's like, well, the DOD has a team there. So he tries calling them. They, uh, inside the mines, they arrive at the, this big cavern. There's this, like, shimmery portal there. And Ellie's like, we're finally here. So we're going to merge with our other selves. This one dude kind of steps forward and starts floating. And it's like some others start going too. And Allie tells Chrissy, she's like, I told you, the greatest story ever told. 
And it's weird that the others are going, but like Allie's kind of staying back. You think she would want to be the first one to go through, but I guess she's making sure. I, they, I don't know. But then the first guy kind of starts screaming. And then I don't know if he goes through the portal or if he just like blows up the bits. And then the others behind him start like kind of squirming, but they're getting pulled into this. And Chrissy's like behind him. And Allie's like, this isn't supposed to be happening. So something's going, something's wrong here. Sam tells, uh, Lois and Clark that the, the team isn't at the mines is responding. So Clark zips off again. He gets to the mind and he can't see anything because, you know, he's looking from outside. It's, it's like lined with lead. So then he hears Chrissy yelling like, help us, help us. So he zooms inside. Anderson opened his visor, takes a hit of XK. Superman arrives. He grabs one person and it's like, okay, who did he grab? Did he grab, you know, um, Chrissy? Was it Allie? Then he goes back for the last person. He reaches out. There's like this big struggle, whatever, like that. And then finally, he like uh, pulls the person back. Anderson grabs Allie's arm, holding the pendant. He grabs it from her and he goes through. And Allie yells out, no! Then Superman comes back for her. So Allie didn't get out before. So then outside the cham- chamber, it's Chrissy, some other dude, and Allie. So he only saved them. And Chrissy's like, we're the only ones you saved? It almost like she sounded like disappointed in Superman. But it's like, dude, what the heck are you doing? But the thing is, notice who's not there. So outside the mines, Chrissy's like sitting at an ambulance. She, she thinks, now she thinks Superman for saving her. Sam arrives and he asks if Lucy was with them. And, you know, he says that Superman's like, Chrissy wasn't sure. They were all wearing those suits. Then he hears Nat saying, oh, it'll be fine. So he was supposed to meet them and take them to the farm. And Sam's like, like, go, go on, meet them. He's like, you know, we'll be fine here. But it's like, it's weird because he was like, how much time has passed that like suddenly John's getting released and he didn't know about it because he just left the farm. But I guess some time must have passed by. So Clark flies in. He's like, I'm so sorry. There's an emergency. And John Henry's like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. And that's like, yeah, the complete stranger who drove us here was super nice. And Clark apologized again. He's like, I promise I'd be here. And she says, you know what? Save your apologies. And John, like, kiss her. He's like, Nat. And she's like, Dad, I'm not going to sit here and pretend everything is okay when it's not. All of this is so messed up. And Clark's like, I know this must be strange. He's like, strange? You're, you look exactly like the guy who killed my mom. And I'm supposed to, what, ignore that and live with you? And John's like, he's not the same guy. And she says, then, why, why do I worry whenever he's around you? you know, that you know, you'll end up like mom. And then she walks out of the kitchen. So there's a flashback of her in a ship. They're like nowhere, trapped between worlds. She's talking to Hetty, and Hetty recommends putting her into hibernation until I guess they can figure something out. So we see Jonathan mopping the floor at the convenience store. Jordan walks in, and he's like, hey, if you post anything, I'll kill you. Like, if he takes a picture of him working. And Jordan's like, oh, relax. He's like, I'm, I'm about to meet Sarah and Aubrey. And Jonathan's like, no way. He's like, why would you do that? And he's like, well, it's mostly because of you. You know, he's like, when Sarah asked him, he said yes, because he was distracted by some townie who was yelling at Candace about some money for inhalers. And Jordan's like, you're doing all this for her? You know, she's a drug dealer? And um, Jonathan's like, she's doing it to help her dad because he's broke. It's just the two of them. And if they get kicked out, they literally have no place else to go. So now Jordan knows. So Lana asks Kyle to come over to help with the the debate because someone, whoever Emily is, had to cancel. And, you know, since he's been working with her since the beginning, you know, he knows the material. 
Allie's at the DOD. Sam's interrogating her. He's like, seven people went into the mines and three came out. He's like, I need the names of the ones Superman couldn't save. And she's like, she asks him, she's like, are you asking as a father or an officer? So she's like trying to, she's totally trying to play mind games with him. And, you know, saying that, you know, she's like, you know, Anderson looked up to you like a father and we know how you fail at that. So she says that, you know, he only wants one name and she says that, you know, he's so afraid that his girls are going to leave him like his wife did. And he's like, answer the question. And she's like, I can fill that hole that you have the same way I helped Lucy. And he grabs her by the arm. He's like, tell me where my daughter is. And then Lois comes in. She's like, dad. And he just like kind of realizes he like lets her go and he walks out. Allie just kind of like smiles at, at Lois. And she says that she's like, I won't be saying another word without my attorney present. So Lois talks to Sam in his like his old office and he's he's like, Lucy's gone. And she's like, There's so much that we don't know. And he's like, You're right the whole time. I should have listened. Lucy's dead because I failed her. And he's like, Now I have to live with that for the rest of my life. Kyle asks Lana, she's like, Well, what are you gonna say when people ask about your personal life? And you know, he keeps saying stuff like that. And she's like, you know, I didn't bring scandal into this house, you did. And because I'm a woman, it's a commentary on me. And it's like, all because of your stupid mistake. And he's like, okay, you know, he's like, you know, maybe you just need to get that out of your system. So he's like, you know, that that's fine. She breathes and she's like, you know, unpredictable things happen in life. We all know that. The real question is how you respond to it in the face of crisis. So she says that she tried to handle it with integrity, which is how she'll handle problems in Smallville. And he's like, now that's an, an answer right there. So Clark is out in the barn. John Henry comes in to apologize for Nat. And he's like, no, she's right. He's like, you know, you did get hurt helping me. And John's like, I'm going to be okay. You know, it was my decision. And, you know, Clark's like, on your world. And John's like, that isn't you. And Clark says, yeah, but for Nat, you know, for all Natalie knows, I am that person. John's like, you know, you just haven't put in time with her. And Clark's like, you don't think it's too late? And John's like, in my experience, you know, people want to forgive you're a good person, find a way to show her that. And then he, Superman hears that warbling again that somehow means someone's in Lucy's apartment. <laughs> it's weird how this noise works. So he zooms off, but it's Lois. Superman arrives and she's she's like kind of surprised. She says she's looking for a book or a message or something that says where she went. You know, there's no way that she would just go to another world and only leave a text. And he's like, there's nothing else here. He's like, I already checked. And Lois is like, Lucy can't just leave, not after what, what our mom did to us. Superman hugs her. She's like crying now. And she's like, how could she just disappear like that? Why do people keep leaving me? He's like, I'm not going anywhere. So Candace is at the store. Jonathan asks, he's like, you know, why didn't you tell me about that dude? And she's like, you got kicked out of school for me. She's like, you shouldn't have to worry about some dumb hillbilly too. And, you know, so she says she's staying at a friend's tonight. Um, he says he wants a walker there. So on, on the way... He's like, how much do you owe Mickey? And she's like, more than, you know, either of us can get anytime soon. He's like, well, you know, I do have a job at a convenience store now. And she laughs. She's like, this is why I love you. You know, when things are bad, you still make me laugh. He's like, wait, you love me? And she's like, yeah, I do. They start kissing and they're walking down the middle of the road. <laughs> then this car is like suddenly behind him and turns on its lights. So I guess it's been driving down the road with his lights off. So the dude, his name is Mickey, he tells her, he's like, get in the car. And Jonathan's like, she's not going anywhere with you. With you. And he was like, I was hoping you'd say that. Takes a hit from an inhaler. It's like, okay, dude, the only way you can stop a little high school kid 
is by taking an inhaler because you know he seems a little bigger than than Jonathan, but he has to take the inhaler. It's like all right. So Jordan's uh, about to go into the diner, then he hears Candace crying out, "John!" So Mickey throws John down. He grabs Candace. He's like trying to force her into the passenger seat. John gets up, goes in like through the driver's side, grabs the keys, and he throws them into the field. He's like, "Good luck finding those." And so Mickey's like, "No, now you're dead." So he shoves him hard. And he's, he's going towards him for more. And then Jordan appears. He's wearing like a hoodie. He's like pulled down. And he like shoves Mickey back. And he keeps his head down. And John yells at Candy. She's like, run. So Mickey gets up and he charges at Jordan. But then boom, boom, boom. Like punch, uppercut. Mickey goes flying up in the air and lands on the like the car's windshield. So Johnson struggles to get up. He walks over to Mickey. He, he grabs him. He says, if you go anywhere near her again, I'll send him after you. Understand? And he's like, yeah. So then he tells me, he's like, go. He's like, he makes Mickey walk back to town. So Jordan's like, are you good? And John's like, yeah, I have to go check on Candace. And Jordan's like, and I have to go meet up with Sarah. So then Jordan turns to leave and John's like, Jordan, he's like, thanks. So he does the bro nod and then he zips off. So Natalie's staring out the window in a, in a room. Clark walks in. He's like, you're right, you know. He's like, we rushed you into this life here thinking it would help you. But being around me and Lois, it, it kind of just did the opposite. So she's standing there. She's like, she's crossed her arms. Like she's getting all defensive. And she says, look, I know you're not the same guy that killed my mom. I know you would never intentionally hurt my dad. And yet when I look at you, this alarm goes off. And he's like, that's no way to live. And she's like, what other choice do I have? And he's like, I want you to have a choice, including whether or not you want to get to know me instead of being forced to live in the same house as me. And she's like, wait, what are you saying? Tosses her a set of keys. And she's like, what is this? He's like, an old friend of mine has a place, had a place to rent for a while. I thought maybe you and your dad could check it out. She's like, so this would be like our own place? Mm-hmm. And he's like, and then maybe you and I can get to know each other. See if we can get that alarm to quiet down. So she's like, okay, maybe. Jordan's outside the diner and he like listens in. Aubrey asks her, is like, do you think he'll show? And she's like, maybe. She's like, I hope so. So he has like a cut on his face. He looks at his, like his knuckles are bloody. And she says something probably came up and Jordan just turns around and leaves. So Lois is giving Sam some coffee. He's sitting on a couch. He's thinking about what Allie said to him about there being a hole inside of him. He says that, you know, that night he came home when her mother was gone. He hasn't been the same since. And, you know, neither were they. He knew that he can he would never be enough to fix it. And then he she hears a car. Lucy's at the door. And she tells him that she kept hearing Lucy's warnings in her head. They were in the mines. They were wearing the suits. It was dark. No one noticed. They took her phone, so she had to walk all the way until some lady picked her up. And Sam's like, he's like, you're safe now. And he's like, Allie's at the, at the DOD, and you know she's about to be locked up for a very long time. Lois says, she's like, I'm so sorry about everything. And Lucy's like, you're right. Clark walks in. He's like, oh, Lucy. He's like, we were worried. So she apologizes for worrying everyone. And he, wait, wait a second. She said that they took her phone but her phone was at her place and texted them. Hmm. Okay. I didn't catch that the first time. Uh, so she apologized. She says that, or, you know, Clark's like, it's okay. He's like, do you need anything? Are you hungry? She's like, I'm just wiped. And she's like, dad, can you take me home? And he's like, of course. 
He's like, and then the three of us can pick this up tomorrow. He's like, maybe brunch. And Lucy's like, brunch? And Lois is like, yeah. And he wears Hawaiian shirts now. So Kyle says to Lana, okay, one more question. They're still going over the debate. It's like, will you ever forgive your husband? And she's like, Kyle. And he's like, okay, yeah, that, that was stupid, whatever. And she's like, it's just, and then her phone buzzes. So she's like, oh, I'm 10 minutes late to pick up Sophie. So she says to tell everyone at the firehouse, she said hi. And he's like, actually, I'm not living there anymore. He's like, I got my own place. It's just a short-term lease. He's like, and I'm picking up extra shifts to cover it. And she's like, no, it's not about the money. It's just, wow. And he's like, we can talk about it. And she's like, no, it's it's the right thing. And, and she's like, thanks for helping me. John, Henry, and Nat check out the place. It, it, they, when they go in, it's just like this repair shop. And it's like really like dirty and run down. But he's like, oh, I'm sure the living space is better. So they go into the, like the other room, like through the office. And, you know, she thinks back to Hetty telling her to wake up. She was in hibernation for six months. So Hetty found, you know, where, where, supposed to, where John Henry is. But the resources are limited. So they might not be able to return from this trip. And then she's like, get me to my dad. In the present, Nat's looking at the, at the place. And it look, looks decent. She's like, it's perfect. She's like, everything we need is right right here. So they hug. And he's like, I'll let Clark know. So Clark gets a text. He tells Lois that John and Nat are taking the place. Lois is like, uh, she's like, well, I'd offer to make breakfast tomorrow, but apparently I'm having brunch with Lucy and my dad. And then, you know, at least they can finally close the door on Allie Alston. And he has a look on his face. He's like, and she's like, what? He's like, Allie do doesn't have the pendant. And she's like, then who does? Jonathan comes home and Lois is like, how was your first day you know, at work? And he's like, oh, it was good. He's like, you know, the owner dude was happy. Then Clark's like, what took you so long getting home? And he's like, well, I had to walk Candace home. And Clark's like, no, you are either at the house or at the store. Understood? And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah. And he's like, okay, upstairs. So then when he's gone, Lois is like, that was a bit harsh for walking his girlfriend home. And Clark's like, if that's where he really was. And she's like, well, I doubt that he's lying about that. Clark says that, well, he's getting good at it. And she's like, you know, I'm mad too, but like, she's like, trust me, don't let this go on for too long. So Jordan's in the room playing video games. Jonathan walks, you know, he's like, oh, you're back already? And he, he's like, look at me. He's like, how can I explain this to Sarah? He's like, I had to sneak in here past them. So Jonathan's like, I'm really sorry, you know, I made you miss it. And Jordan, he stops his game. And he's like, why don't you tell me it was Candace? And he says that, you know, he's like, well, you know, because I didn't want to put that on you too. And, you know, that, so you know, whatever. So at Lucy's, Sam says, you know, she, Sam's like, I know you love this place. She's like, but why not stay at my place? He's like, I have this guest room. He's like, and I have fresh ice cream. And then he kind of cuts off and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm suddenly tired. And he's just standing there. He's like kind of wobbling. Then he's like, you put something in my tea. And she just like looks at him and then the cup falls from his hand and shatters and she's like yeah sorry she's like i was sort of a fail safe in case things didn't go according to plan and you know he's looking at her from the ground he's like why so she grabs his dod id badge and she says to make sure Allie gets to the other side i'm sorry so oh man lucy this one it seemed like things were going good she's still out of it because it, it, she seems like it, she'd be a good addition to the show and great aunt. You know, the, the kids like her, but I guess it's just not meant to be. So that's a bummer. But it's a good show. With Servant, Season 3, Episode 10, Mama. So this is a season finale, unfortunately. 
so it looks like there's some townhouses for for sale or lease on on the block there's like i don't know if it's an open house or whatever this realtor says to some couple she's like it's a desirable neighborhood and it's unusual to have you know three units available here on spruce street so they're at um 2119 they're about to go inside and the dude like looks over shoulder across the street so i i guess that's where leanne's at so is this couple from the evil cult so the camera zooms in to their house and it gets like really close like in between the walls stuff like that and there's just like loads of termite that are like in just chomping away i guess so it's like weird it's like they saw supposedly termite droppings trying to notice it and it's like have they not done anything about this so dorothy wakes up she's kind of dazed you see there's like prescription drugs on her nightstand along with like some food she looks to the other side she looks at her 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 day planner it's like bed rest bed rest bed rest she goes to the nursery and she takes a shower she goes downstairs everyone's there including julian they get up to get her food and juice um she just kind of like rubs jericho's head they mentioned that they tried you know fighting to have her take those pills julian's like if dad so much as loses his keys or forgets a lyric to a steely dance song he's like i'll have him committed and they're like you know he's not welcome in this house you know not until she says so and Leanne says that, you know, they all know Frank isn't the problem here. She's like, it's it's us. It's you and me. What you tried to do to me, having me sent away, a lot of people wouldn't be able to get past that. But I came here to help you. And that's what I'm going to do, even if you don't want. Um, so I just need you to stop fighting me so we can go back to being a family. I want to start fresh. And you don't have to worry about me being angry with you, Dorothy, because I forgive you. I will always forgive you. Dorothy quietly says... I push things too far and it's almost like she tries to smile but and then she's like you were just trying to help she's like i see that now i'm sorry leanne won't happen again i think a fresh start sounds like a good idea and then it it kind of seems like sean and julian are like a little surprised and like confused it's like who is this lady so dorothy's kind of holding up jericho on the floor you know in the living room leanne's there too they're like playing whatever they're, they're trying to get him to like crawl in the other room like julian and sean are just kind of watching julian's like are you buying it and sean just kind of sighs and julian's like yeah me neither sean's like she's being smart she's playing the game keeping us out of it she's like i can see why she's being cautious and julian's like dorothy only plays game when she's already won in her head and sean's like oh leanne's so innocent because you're sleeping with her now julian says he's like i just know leanne would never hurt dorothy she's like she's harmless and sean's like right He's like, they, they should keep an eye on both of them in case things go south. So Dorothy and Leanne are up in a, dancing like in the attic, doing their like their ballet, whatever stuff. And then Dorothy kind of stumbles and Leanne's like, oh, do you want to stop? And Dorothy's like, yeah, let's do this again tomorrow. She's like, I didn't realize how badly my body needed it. And Leanne asks, she's like, should I take Jericho? And Dorothy's like, um, yes, that'd be good. And she's like, maybe I'll, you know, I'll take a little nap. And then she, you know, as, as Leanne's leaving, Dorothy's like, and don't let him crawl without me. So she leaves and then Sean comes in. He's like, all the years we've been together, do you know how many times you've apologized and meant it? And she's like, I'm sorry, Sean, how many? And he's like, let me in on this. Whatever it is, whatever it is you're planning. And Dorothy calmly says, I'm just trying to be agreeable. That's what you wanted. And he's like, come on, I know you. You're plotting something against us so that when we least expect it, you can... I can what? What What exactly can I do, Sean? When Dr. McKenzie said I was a danger to Jericho, I looked right in your eyes. You may not have wanted me to leave, but you did believe I could hurt our son. I'll never forget that. 
and she walks past him. So Leanne crawls into her cabinet thing. You know, she's opens like the, the back door or whatever. And she's like, she has cleaning supplies, whatever, like a bunch of moths fly out at her. She kind of like freaks out, but they, they go out, you know, through the, the, the bedroom window. She crawls back in that space towards like aunt Josephine's like burnt body, whatever. It's like there's webs and stuff in there. And she like reaches out and touches her and her hand like kind of crumbles to dust. Then we see Leanne tossing a bag in the garbage, which is probably the whole body, just a pile of dust. And Roscoe comes through the gate, and she's like, have you heard anything on Milo? And he just like shakes his head. He's like, sorry, there's nothing. And she's like, they did this to hurt us. He's like, I will not suffer injustice. So Dorothy's looking over like stuff on the shelf in the living room. She looks at a picture of her and Sean, and she just kind of like pauses over it. Leanne uh, is like, this is weird. She's like washing like Julian's back in the bathtub. And she asks if um, he believes Dorothy. And he's like, when I was in middle school, it's like Dottie punched a little jerk called Kevin Parker. She got suspended for a week and was forced to write a letter of apology. Instead, she writes him a note saying he deserved it for making fun of me. He's like, my sister isn't one to suffer injustice. And Leanne says that she thinks it's time they put the past behind them. So Dorothy takes another shower, looks at her planner. And then Leanne sees Sean sitting on the stairs you know she's up above and, sh and she's like is everything okay and he looks up at her and he's like no then he whispers like did you have anything to do with isabel and she's like i think you've had too much to drink and he's like that's not an answer and then she asks is it dorothy and he's like she's angry i, I think that she's gonna do something stupid and leanne's like i see thank you for telling me he's like i did not I do not know why it's so hard for her to love us. So she turns to go and he's like, wait, if you do something, he's like, don't hurt her. You got to promise me. And Leanne's asks, she's like, is, is that why you're out here? You actually believe I would hurt Dorothy? She's like, good night, Sean. He's like, looks up at her. And then a picture down by him, like on a wall falls off, you know, off the wall. And I think it's from the termites, not from her. So Dorothy's sleeping leanne like bops her nose she's like rising high shine sleepy head she's like it's it's almost nine and dorothy's like is every everything okay and she's like of course and she's i just thought that you'd like to go for a walk so we see julian riding the stationary bike like a madman then he looks out the window he sees leanne and dorothy walking to the park with jericho and a stroller so they go by the camp whatever everyone like stands up and Leanne's like, I just wanted to take you here so you can see how safe you are with my friends. And she, she's like, I tell them about you, about what you mean to me and what your family means. Then she hands Dorothy like a folded piece of paper. Eleven News is looking for a new morning anchor. Dorothy's like confused. And Leanne's like, one of my friends found it in a dumpster by the TV studio. Jeanette Dash is retiring this summer. And Dorothy's eyes go big when she reads whatever this piece of paper is. And then... Leanne's like, Dorothy, this could be an amazing opportunity for you. You wouldn't have to be out in the fields reporting on things that are beneath you. The hours are steady. You could be home in time to have dinner with Sean and put Jericho to sleep. It's everything that you've ever wanted. Dorothy's, you know, just, she's like staring. Then she's like, they won't have me. And Leanne's like, they might. I'm just trying to show you that we're all on the same side. So then Dorothy gives Jericho a bath. And, you know, there's something stuff. And then I guess Jericho says, Mama. And then he's like, says it again, and she's like, yeah, mama, or something like that. And it almost looks like he's like looking over her shoulder, and she like looks over her back at the doorway. Like, so was like Leanne peeking in on them, and he said that, but you know, there's no one there. 
so then there's another shot um from the outside look looking in the window so i don't know if it's like the new neighbors like are looking into their house did they move in we, we're not sure yet dorothy's cooking she gives like sean and julian a taste and sean's like surprised like that's amazing he's like where, where did you learn to make that and she's like you made it for her the week we moved in and he's like i didn't think you were watching he's like what other secrets are you hiding so I don't know if Dorothy made the whole dinner, but there's like some bird on the plate. Everything's like fancy and everything like that. She holds this bottle and Sean's like, absolutely not. Julian's like, oh, that, that's that's our mother's 78 Romani, Romani Conti. He's like, it's a flipping nectar ambrosia. He's like, Zeus himself is still sitting on his bottles. Dorothy's like, we're not Zeus. Julian's like, it's Tuesday. He's like, on a Tuesday, Dorothy? And she's like, Tuesday never stopped mom. And he's like, you know, he's like talking about some stuff and he's like you know this isn't about my sobriety he's like you know as, as soon as we open that and dorothy's like what she's gone she's like i know that's why it's perfect you know we could all use a fresh start right so leanne says she's like one glass won't hurt julian's like says every alcoholic ever and leanne's like you quit once he's like you can do it again so they pour dorothy toasts two mothers and two new beginnings sean asks you know dorothy what she tastes and she's like old fireworks and sean's like a, a barn in the fall julian's like violets mom's favorite and leanne's like f and so julian giggles then they all start laughing it's like weird it's just really weird then the camera kind of goes outside and like, like someone darts past the window so it's like wh what what's going on sean's um sitting on uh, the couch during the night because um, dorothy walks in so he must have been sleeping she's like just let me speak it's like it's clear that we haven't been seeing things the same way sometimes i wonder if you even like this life that we built together or if i got it wrong and you know you have these beliefs now that i just can't share you know I, i've been so angry with you about that she's like i'm not anymore because you know you turned to faith and i turned to anger that makes you more noble she's like i'm sorry it's like and he's like i'm i'm sorry too and they like smooch so then we see someone like walks across the street roscoe's voice says you know it took him a while but he got her to trust him he's like i'll be able to do what what we need and then the captions like says uncle george shushes hush hush so uncle george is back he's walking down the middle of the street he's wearing like a white suit he has his cane he's walking towards roscoe her story begins it feeds on darkness grows stronger each night things are decaying the house is filled with parasites and he kind of like wretches he's like do you smell the rot roscoe looks back at their place and he's like what the heck happens now and uncle george says the end so sean is sleeping dorothy's kind of like laying on his, his chest or like on the couch and you know she's awake she slowly gets up goes into the living room she takes that picture of, of them puts it in the bag there's like other stuff in there she goes in nursery like looks out the window and a car like flashes its lights so she picks up Jericho and he starts like fussing and crying. And she's like, where's, where's that pinky at? Then, uh, you know, they're walking out and Leanne's like, he's going to be cold in that. Dorothy like looks down at her and she whispers, she's like, get out of my way. Cause Leanne's like on a lower level. She's like, get out of my way. And Leanne's like, where will you go? Somewhere far from here. What will you do there? I'll start over. Leanne's like, can I come? And Dorothy's like, no. She's like, don't you get it? No. And she tells Leanne, she's like, you can have it all. It's yours. The house, my brother, my husband, whatever you want, take it. Just let me take my child and leave. Leanne whispers like, I'm doing this for you. 
So she grabs Dorothy's leg and she's like, Sean, Julian. Sean comes out of the office. He's like, what the flip is going on? He's like, why are you dressed? Julian's like, Dorothy, you got to stop. Leanne asks her, why do you want to leave me? Dorothy's like, I'm not your flipping mother. I'm, I'm not your friend. I am your boss. And you are just a sad, delusional girl who needs help. And you've somehow convinced these two flipping idiots to believe you. Sean quietly is like, Dorothy. She's like, why don't I hold him? She says, don't you dare look at me like that. Not now. She starts backing you know, up against like the railing and uh, by the stairs. And Sean's like, no one is looking at you anyway. And Dorothy's like, I will never let anything bad happen to him. She's like, never. Sean's like, I know, I know. And then the car horn honks. And she's like, I'm leaving now. Leanne's like, I'm sorry, Dorothy. And then the railing that she's leaning against like snaps from the termites. So she falls back. But she like let Jericho go. Leanne is able to like catch him, grab him. They 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 look down. They stare. You see Dorothy falling with her arms out, and then she has like three different railings and a level. Sean and Julian are screaming. Julian's like, "I call the ambulance!" Oh, Dorothy, all this stuff's going on, and it's just like just chaos in the background. And Leanne looks down at Dorothy's body, holding Jericho. So maybe Dorothy's gonna survive that, but man, that that was a nasty fall. Uh, and she fell—I don't know if it was maybe once, two stories, one story, once when I don't know—but it it was not good. So it's just like, oh my gosh! And now we have to wait for the next season. So that was just just really really crazy, but really good. Oh man! All right, with Severance, Season 1, Episode 6, Hide and Seek. So it starts off, <laughs> I love the show. Uh, it starts off, uh, Ms. Cobell's in her bedroom or something like that. She's like fixing a necklace. And it's it's weird because it, there's like concrete walls. It's like, is this actually her bedroom? It almost, it feels like like something like in a, like a school building or office. You know, it's just, it's not something you would see in a home. But the, the necklace has like some sort of crystal on it or something like that. And then Grainer calls and says that they, they found a signature from the council that was used to hack the chip in Petey's head. And it turned out it was one of theirs. So it's traceable to someone named Reg, Reg Hobby. I was, I was like, who? So she hangs up. She goes downstairs. There's like a couple candles on. She has a shrine with some guy. So I, I don't know if it's Kier, whatever, the, the guy from Lumen from a company. And, and, and there's also there's like this other picture of like some kid at a I don't know if it was her at a school for girls or something like that. Then we we um we get the intro and what's weird is as I watch the intro so you know I am a little fascinated by like the computer generated intro you see like Mark and his his Innie and his Audi like split and everything like that. But what I, I I've noticed that I just never really paid attention like there's black ooze in the intro you know markets covered with it and so do like other workers but that's also that's that's like the stuff that irving's seeing when he's falling asleep at work so what's up with the ooze i mean there's there's got to be something with it right so mark uh then it cuts to he he goes into his basement he goes and looks in a box where he put pd's phone and he he takes it out he sees a, a bunch of missed calls from blocked so i was like wow that's that's a really good battery on that phone because like i don't know how many days it's been it's been a few days and it's just been sitting there on i don't think he turned it off but even so it's like he hasn't had to charge it or anything like that so then he he goes to leave for work you know gets in the car but then he like backs up and then he like takes a battery off the phone and he throws the phone in a battery in his garbage bin outside of his house 
Then we see Irv and Bert are in this room with like a bunch of plants. Irv said he found it a while back. He wanted to show it to Irv. And he's like, it could be just for them, their secret place. So they get close and they like hold hands. And, you know, they're talking about like the handbook, what it says about, you know, fraternizing, whatever, or, you know, romance. And Bert says that the handbook doesn't say anything about you know, lip to lip contact that, you know, that, that that's not okay. So they get closer and closer and then Irv's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just, I'm just not ready. But Bert tells him, he's like, oh, that's okay, you know, just, just stay here, you know, just stay with me. Devin is still at the retreat, you know, so she gave birth, the, the birthing retreat thing. She's outside with her baby, and she sees the other mother who she got coffee from at, like, the, the next uh, condo whatever thing. And she waves to her, but this lady, her name's Gabby, she doesn't, like, even acknowledge her. So then Devin goes down, you know, this, you know and she goes up to her. And she's kind of weird. She, like, meets her husband. But it was just weird how she's just like so cold and oblivious to her. Mark is reading Rickon's book. He reads about camaraderie and stuff like that. And then all four of them are sitting at a break table. Irv wants to go back to O&D. Dylan's like suspicious, of course. Helly says going back could be good because O&D, there's like a missing part in the map or something like that. And then she tells Mark that they could go like on another mental health walk. You know, it could be fun. He starts, he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, he's like, we still have a lot of work to do. And she kind of mocks him or something like that. Then, you know, she gets up to leave and she's like, get back to work, slackers. And then, um, you know, as she's about to leave the room, she's like, praise Kier, right? Or something like that. So Dylan accuses Mark of fraternizing with her. He's like, he's like, what what are you talking about? He's like, I'm I'm just, you know, a a boss who cares about his workers. And Dylan's like, you never smile at me. And Irv's like, you're right. He's like, you know, your facial expressions are kind of lacking or, or something. And he's he's like, I smile all the time. Then Milchik comes in of smiling, of course. He's like, what are we talking about? And they're like, uh, they're like, uh, we're talking about Miss Miss Casey. Then Mark's like, where is she? So Miss Cobell is talking. She's like, part-time innies may not be as socialized and sophisticated as yourself, but they still must be held accountable for their actions. So she's talking to Mark. Miss Casey was told to supervise Helly, and she failed at that task. Mark's like, that's because I snuck Helly out. If anyone should be in a break room, it's me. And she like scoffs. She's like, your valiance is not a core principle, but sweet. So she's like, who won't you go in a break room for? And then, you know, Ms. Cobell's like, she's just a wellness counselor. And he's like, yeah, but she shouldn't be punished. And he's like, I just thought Helly needed a walk. And he's like, I'm allowed to do that. She's like, just a walk. And he's like, yeah. And then she turns her monitor and shows them, you know, them walking into the office with plastic floor, plastic on the floor and a desk. She's like, why are you sniffing around other departments while your division woefully falls below expectations for the quarter? And he's like, she almost died. And Cobell's like, it's not your job to play nursemaid to every new refiner. And he's like, okay, so what is my job? And she's like, are you really asking me that? He looks at her and he's like, yeah, what does we actually do here? And then she like yells. It's like, whole, I mean, she just goes off and she's like, we serve cure, you child. And until you get that through your mildewed little brain and hit quota, MDR's hallway privileges are hereby revoked. So get your little ass back to your desk and stay there until you're told to move. And this was kind of shocking. You know, it, it kind of like it was like a slap in the face to him because she's it's weird because, you know, she's always like stern and everything with him. But I kind of feel like she cares about him. You know, when she's watching him, you know, why is she watching him of all people? You know, why is she living next door to him? You know, it's just weird. She just seems so concerned. 
Anyways, Helly's like drawing something on a piece of paper, like a lamp or something like that. Then Dylan's, he's just like talk, kind of talking to her, you know, from his little workstation. He's like, oh, it's a, it's a tragedy. He's like, MDR will mourn the will they or won't they energy shared by Miss Casey and myself. And Helly's like, oh, yeah? And he's like, and to think, I wore this nice-ass shirt for her today. And, and then Helly kind of like looks over the little cubicle wall, and she's like, when you picked that shirt, you didn't know she existed. And he's like, well, maybe love transcends severance. And she's like, you think so? Then he's like, no. <laughs> then he says, what about you and Mark? And she scoffs. She's like, what? He's like, you two uh, enjoy a, a sneaking off the other day, and like baby goats. And she's like, why are you saying it like that? And he like mumbles something. Then she's like, are you implying baby goats is code for sex with Mark S? And he's like, mm-hmm. And she's like, wow. And he has, is is baby goats code for sex with Mark S? And she's like, no, there were actual goats. It's like, why would we call it that? And he's like, okay. He's like, I believe you, but you know, his eyes go kind of big. So it's like, does he really believe her? So then Mark arrives. He tells him Miss Casey is in the break room and hell. He's like, is it because of us? Irv walks up and he's, and then he's like, and we're, we're not allowed in the outer hallways anymore until we hit quota. So no more interdepart interdepartmental visits and he's kind of, kind of like stern when he says it to Irv so it's like Irving didn't even do anything really so Dylan asks if he's serious and Irv stammers and he's like well I'm sorry it's like it's my fault you know I've been setting a bad example as a senior most refiner then Mark asks he's like which way did you say it was to O&D so all four walk down the hall and Cobell notices because of course she's she does nothing but I guess watch them. Does she is she in charge of any other departments or is she only in charge of this department? So she calls out the Milchek and he's like I'm on it. And then they arrive. They go into the storeroom where the other O and D workers are. And Holly's like this is more people than I've ever seen. And Mark's like same. Dylan's like suspicious of course. You know he's been there already. Bert says to everyone he's like it's okay. I know change can be disorienting, but. MDR is here now. And then to them, he's like, you are welcome here. Much as I hope, all of us will be welcome to visit you in your place of endeavors. This is my, my horrible Christopher Walken impression. He tells his team to go on. He's like, surely you must have some questions for them. A lady holding like a watering can. She's like, so it's called macro data refinement? And she's like, what do you refine? Mark is like, uh, because he, he, he doesn't know. Then Irv's like, is that a watering can? And Bert says, we think it might be supplies for the executive wing upstairs. Then again, last week's output was had a, more of an aggressive feel. And the lady says something about hatchets. And Mark's like, uh, you know, we've been trying to figure out how it all fits together. It's like, we found a department the opposite way from here that's uh, raising baby goats. And Bert's like, there's a lot of unknown, but we keep plugging along. It's important work, obviously. And Irv's like, everything we do you know, here is important. And Helly's like, is it important because it actually is or because you're saying it is? Mark says that you know, maybe they should work together in this. And someone asks, like, doing what? Mark says, like, finding out why are there baby goats? How big is the place? What exactly are they doing? Everyone's just, like, staring. And he's like, you know, why won't they tell us what we're doing here? You know, what are they so afraid of? And then they're like, if the Egan philosophy is illumination above all, Irv corrects him, illumination beyond all. And Mark's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, why doesn't that include us? You know, why are, are we down here still working in the dark? Then Dylan's like, that was poetic as poop, man. <laughs> then Bert says, like, Mark is right. 
you know, Kier would want us to feel the warm embrace of knowledge and truth. So he says both of them as department chiefs should make contact with this GOAT department and see what they know. So Dylan's, Dylan's, meanwhile, he's kind of like wandering around. Then Milchik walks in. So Dylan found like this little bin and there's like these uh, like laminated diagram cards with like two figures on there. Almost like a, almost, it almost looked like an Ikea drawing type of thing, but in, in, in color. So, and he like, so he sticks it in his back pocket. So Milchik walks in back to the department. Mark's like, we didn't do anything wrong. And then Cobell is standing there waiting. And then she starts singing, which is just weird because she's standing there to say anything. Kier, chosen one, Kier, Kier, brilliant one, Kier. I forgot how the, the, the melody goes now. Brings the bounty to the plane, through the torment, through the rains, progress, knowledge, show no fear. Kier, chosen one, Kier. And then she's like, I trusted you and you abused that trust. Your inefficiency and free range chicken roaming is ultimately your responsibility. So then Grainer walks, walks in. Escort him to the break room. So it's, it's like you're, you know, you're complaining about quote and everything like that. So now, you know, one fourth of the department is getting pulled into the break room. So Mark's kind of like walking with confidence, and then when he gets, he enters the break room door, and there's that long dark hallway, uh, like the skinny hallway. Miss Casey steps out of the other door, and they like walk towards each other. There's barely any room for them to pass. They don't like say anything to each other, and then. He reaches for the door handle, and then it cuts to him on the outside on another date with that uh, midwife lady, Alexa, and she sees this big, like, red mark on his knuckle. I don't know what they did in the break room. They're just, like, smacking his knuckle over again and over and over again because she's like, what happened to your hand? And he's like, apparently I, I jammed my hand at work replenishing a water cooler, or at least that's what they tell me. And she's like, well, they are pretty heavy or whatever. So they talk about his sister and a new kid, and, you know, I guess there's – the, the, the baby's having trouble like latching on during lactation, you know, while feeding or something like that. And he's like, yeah, I probably know more than I should about this or something like that. So then she asks, she's like, did you ever, you know, think about having kids? And he's like, with Gemma. So his, his wife who's dead. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. He's like, we, we tried for a little while, you know, it wasn't really working. We talked about adopting at one point, but then something like, you know, they figured just to go along with what life gives you, you know, just whatever. And he, you know, he says that she always had a plan B. And is it weird that he's talking about her? And Alexa's like, no, it's healthy. And he's like, yeah, but we're on a date. And she's like, Gemma's a part of you. You know, you can't just separate the two. And he's like, oh no, you can. And she's like, uh, uh. she's like, oh, I can't believe I said that because you know, obviously, you can separate things surgically with a chip. Devin's at home, like on a computer, looking up the other lady who who kind of blew her off. And uh, she's on some profile is like private. So then, you know, she does like a search for articles. She sees that she's the wife of a senator and the senator is an or she's an advocate for for change on issues affecting children, mental health and improved well-being. So they've they've supposedly reached like celebrity like status. There's this article that mentions um, that the husband was a small town mayor. He ascended on the momentum of his controversial and vocal support for legalized severance. So that's interesting. She clicks on this link and there's like this other article about like his view on severance and, and there's like other stuff there. Rick and comes, comes in. He's like, oh, she's here. She closes her laptop, like kind of like she doesn't want him to see her or something like that. So who's there? It's Mrs. Selvig, Mrs. Cobell. And so they, they notice she's Mark's neighbor and she's there because uh, Devin is having problems getting the baby to latch on or whatever. So she's kind of like in this sort of like nurse's 
outfit, like, you know, a scrubs type of thing. Um, it's not like the blue outfit, but the more like flowery whatever thing the baby starts crying and then she's like oh you know let me let me hold her or whatever and then she starts like kind of humming and everything like that and the baby stops crying and they're like hmm so then we see this kid is counting and he he's like counting and counting he reaches like 748 his eyes are covered there's like a cartoon on a loud tv or something like that so at first i'm like is is it dylan as a kid and then we see him like maybe in a storeroom or something with, with milchick but then he's like i've awoken you at home so he's really at home. He's like, I need to know where you put it. And Dylan kind of like looks around the room and he's like, where I put what? Milchick's like, the ideal graphic card you took from O&D. He's like, I saw the footage of you taking it. Did you smuggle it out? Is it here? He, so it turns out they're actually like in his bedroom closet. And he's like, holy poop, is this my house? And he's like reaching for the clothes and, you know, trying to, you know, just get a sense for like what's in there because he's never seen it. You know, he's, which is you know, the weird thing. I had no idea you can wake yourself. I mean, I guess it makes sense if it's just a chip that's turned off from whatever sensor when you go down the elevator. But then Milchik's, he's like, you have no idea how sensitive his information is. He's like, if someone paid you to smuggle that card out, and Dylan's like, like, no, no, no. He's like, I put it in the bathroom. He's like, second stall behind the toilet. And Milchik's like, thank you. And Dylan's, he's like, I didn't even know what it was. And Milchik's like, that's fine, you know. And then a kid calls out, Daddy, and like barges in and goes up to Dylan and hugs him. Dylan's confused. He's like, what? WTF? And Milchik like grabs a kid and he says, I like, I told you to count to a thousand and wait outside. And Dylan's like, is that my kid? And Milchik gets on his phone. And he's like, end it. And then you see a hand turn his dial from on to off. And then Audi Dylan wakes up and he asks Milchik, he's like, are we good here? And, he's, and he just, Milchik gets up and leaves. So that was uh, it's like, holy crap. And what's the big deal about this card? It's like, it was just, I mean, I don't know if there's anything on the back of it. It didn't look like it. So then we see Mark and Alexa are outside the restaurant and he sees this like band poster on the wall and, and June's on there. He's like, oh, it's like, wait, what's today's date? And he's like, should we go? It's because it's night. He's like, if it's lame, we could just leave. And she means, she says, you mean if we're too lame to, you know, or not cool enough to be at the show. So it's kind of like this punk show. And it's like in this, this alley, Mark's like, he's, I've, I'm feeling very old right now. So the, they, the band starts playing the song. It's like anti-Lumen. Like, I hate Lumen. You took my first love. F you, Lumen. I hate you. And everyone starts like singing. It's like that. And Mark, even, and Mark and Elk, they start singing like, you know, I hate Lumen, whatever. Afterwards, he, he sees June and talks to him, and, and she kind of recognizes him. And he's like, so uh, how are you holding up? And, and she's like, eh. And he's like, you guys were great. And she's She's like, I'm pretty sure we suck. And then he's like, but that last song was good. He's like, I bet your dad would have really loved it. And she's like, how the flip would you even know that? And then he's like, oh, okay, you know, well, we should probably get going or whatever. So he explains uh, Alexa that, that she was a daughter of someone he worked with. And, you know, he's like, I, he starts talking, and then she just kisses him. So she's just like, okay, whatever, dude, I'm going to kiss you. Grainer knocks on uh, Miss Cobell's house on her door, and she asks, she's like, did you, did you find him or something like that? I think it, he said him. I don't say her. I think it was him. He says a, a camera picked him up, and he's like, and W2F are you wearing? It's because she still has, like, her nurse's outfit, whatever. She's like, I've had a day, and I'm still trying to figure out what part of this conversation couldn't be on the phone. So she's just, like, so rude with him. And he's like, someone's hooded, uh, holed up in one of Gantz's old 
lab buildings. So the dean told security to look the other way or something like that. It's like, it's probably Rahabi or whatever that person's name was. Kobel whispers. I think Kobel then says, it is her. So I think Rahabi is her. So he asks, he's like, do you want to go with me to find out? She's like, no, I do not. And she's like, let me know when you have her. Okay, so it is probably her. And I'll tell you why in a second. I just thought of something. So he looks at her and he's like, so you're like a nurse or something? And she just like closes the door on him. So Mark's lying in bed. He gets a flashback of PD falling like outside the convenience store gas station thing. Then he sits up. Alexa is actually sleeping next to him. So they, they shared a night together. Then he goes out to the trash and he grabs a phone and battery and he like, you know, puts it in. It kind of beeps. Then it starts buzzing. So it's a call from blocked. He answers. He's like, hello. And the caller's like, who is this? And he's like, uh, friend of Petey's? Then there's like silence. And he's like, are you still there? And then the voice is like, is this Mark Scout? And he look, looks around the street because you know, it's the middle of the night. And, and he, then the, the, the person on the phone is like, what did he tell you before he died? And he's like, so it's like they know he, he's dead, obviously, but they're still calling. Then he's like, nothing. He's like, I just, just want to understand. So the caller's like, can you meet now? So we see there's this van parked outside Lumen. There's uh, two guys working on an elevator. They're like taking a door off. I, like, I have no idea what that has to do with anything. We see Mark working. The workers change the panel on a the door. They try to key card and the door closes. So they're doing something there. And then Mark walks um, and then someone comes up behind him in, in the dark. And they're like, are you alone? And he's like, he's, he, I, think he said, I think he said he used to teach at that school. Or did he say he used to go there? I think he said he used to teach there. And the lady's like, I know. Then he's like, who are you? So it's this, it's a lady. And she looks at him. She's like, come with me. And then she like walks past him. And he just like looks at her as, as she starts walking. So I wonder if this is Rahabi or whatever. And then, you know, they, they said the dean was looking the other way or something like that. So maybe she's the one that tampered with, that changed Petey's chip somehow or whatever and Hmm. So interesting stuff here. So uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I, this show, I, I think it's, it's just, it's just so trippy and I, there's so much unknown. I have no idea what's going on. And I, I, and you know, is it a little remind me of Twin Peaks a tiny bit in a way, you know, random goats in the hallway of an office basement office building. I don't know, but uh, this just shows so good. With Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 4, Watcher. So Picard calls out to Rios, then to Rafi, or to anybody. No one can hear him on the comms. Rafi and N7 go to the clinic. The place is empty. It's like a mess. This other nurse comes in, and then, you know, they're, they ask about her, about Rios, whatever. They're like, your scruffy-looking friend was there. You know, he was patched up and arrested by ICE officers. And she's like, I hope you find your friend before ICE makes sure they never do. So Picard continues, you know, trying to contact anyone, and Agnes says, you know, it was a long shot that the comms would work since there's no relays. He's like, well, let's hope that they're not, and Agnes is like dead, and so it's cold in the ship, so they have to wait for the auto repair to fix the heating. He suggests they go someplace where they can make a fire, and she's like, well, what if someone sees a ship? And Picard's like, well, Confederation trips are more upgraded, so this one has a cloaking field, so he turns it on. They go into Chateau Picard, and it seems to be abandoned in this era. He says that uh, nearly a, it's been abandoned for nearly a century at this point. After the Second World War, 
they use his house as like a base of operations, whatever. His ancestors hid in the tunnels below, and it'll be generations before the Picards reside there again. So he has like flashes of memories when he was a kid with his mom there, whatever. He makes a fire in the fireplace. He tells Agnes that they need to find out what else the Borg Queen knows about the break in the timeline. And he asks her, like, you know, what else did you steal from her mind? And, you know, he's telling her that she needs rest, but she's like, oh, how about a drink? And in Picard notes, he's like, you know, you moved 15 beads on an abacus. You chose a 15th volume of a book from the shelf, whatever. And you picked up a bottle of Pinot Noir from 1915. So he thinks her mind is trying to tell them something. And he's trying to think about what she was about to say when he disconnected her from the Borg Queen. You know, when is the change happening? And then he asks if the ship's chronometer ever showed them exactly when they landed. And she says the 12th of April, 2024. So maybe something's going to happen on the 15th. So maybe they have like three days before the future has changed. Seven and Rafi are riding on a bus. There's like this older dude with like a mohawk. He's like blasting a boombox and like singing along. And Seven just yells at him, well, you turned that noise off? And he apologizes. He's like, I just really like that song. So Rafi's like, he's like, we should have stayed in that other future until we had a plan. But wasn't she the one that was all like kind of gung-ho about changing things back or whatever? So Seven, you know, she's angry. And Seven's like, you just lost someone. She's like, it wasn't your fault. And she's like, well, we'll get him back. So Picard and Agnes try talking to Borg Queen. They need to find a watcher. Uh, so he's going to go. Agnes has to stay to try to boost the comm signal, whatever. And, you know, he's going to go to the Queen's coordinates. So he beams over. And then the Borg Queen tries getting into, like, Agnes's mind. And she's like, you know, you're more than you let on. And she also says that, you know, she's cruel and, you know, fixing her to get what she needs and leaving her hanging there powerless, whatever, you know, because she doesn't have like a lower body or whatever. Then she's like, Agnes felt it, you know, she's felt it too. Assimilation, cooperation, connection. So she just keeps like going on and on. Picard uh, materializes by this alley. It's like kind of like not that nice, you know, trash or whatever. And then he sees that he's at Forward Avenue, and he recognizes bars, 10 Forward. So he goes inside. There's no one inside or, or anyone behind a bar. He, like, reaches for a bottle, and then this lady's like, uh-uh. So it's Guinan, or Guinan, 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 Guinan. <laughs> but she's younger, so it's it's not Whoopi Goldberg. It's, it's a younger Guinan. And she's like, you know, today's closing day. So she tells him to get out, and he says that, he was told to come here and he hopes that she can help she's like i don't know you and i she's like i don't want to and he's like but you're good at, at listening as a elorian and that gets her attention because that's like her alien race or whatever and then she pulls out a shotgun she's like who the heck are you so raffi and seven go to lapd or you know raffi's are looking for for rios and the lady isn't much help she's like if he's there he's not in the system and raffi's like you know she's like you're law enforcement you should be able to help and you know she kind of like slams on the counter and seven like smiles she's like uh we're just gonna go back you know out of your personal space and we'll we'll wait over here like on the seats so when they sit down this dude um sitting there like heard like what they were saying and she he gives raffi some advice he's like lepd won't have ice information he's like you you want immigration and customs enforcement and he's like, you know, you're in the wrong place. Not that it makes any difference. If you don't get your, you know, your crystal ball friend before his transfer, he's gone. There'd be no trial, no no paper trail. 
So Rios and Adak have their mugshots taken. He's sitting in this like giant cage. There's a bunch of other people there. This officer comes in for a guy. Um, he's like, oh, we just need your your Juan. Uh, was it John? John Hancock? Juan, your Juan Hancock. <laughs> and he's like, you know, so just sign this paper so we can leave. And dude's like, you mean deportation? He's like, what about my lawyer or whatever? And then the guy like is like getting his face and whatever and all stuff. Rio gets mad because... Uh, the, the the guy's like are you eyeballing me you a-hole whatever so then uh you know when rios gets in his face the the officer just like tases him and he just like you know falls to the floor so he manages to get up and he's like oh why does the past hurt so much and then he like hits his knee and then doc comes over like she's in, a, in the next cage like right next to it and she's like if you dislocate that other hand she's like i'm going to start charging you and he's like oh are you all right and you know she says that she's trying to figure out why he didn't run and he blah 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 some stuff he's like you know i'm just a good samaritan whatever so guinan pours shots a couple shots for her and picard they're sitting at a table and she's like you know for all the years i've been there it's like i can count on one hand the number of times i've been called el orion so she still has a shotgun kind of like pointed him on the little table between them uh like next to his drink and so she's like who are you you know, where are you from? Where are you from? And he's like France, and she's like, no, not just France. It's like anyone who knows where I come from isn't from anywhere remotely around here. So Guinan is surprised that Picard, um, you know, because she has this pit bull. So he like, oh, it's such a sweet girl, whatever. And she's like, she does, usually doesn't take to strangers. And he's like, she knows that I'm not a threat. So she's like, whatever. She's like, go stay. I'm leaving. And he's like, the fact that I find you here. You know, the, the moment that you're leaving proves that I've come to the right place. He's like, I was told that I had three days to stop something very critical from happening. And she's like, yeah, good luck with that. And he's like, I was given coordinates for this place to find a watcher. And then she turns and looks at him. And he says that he thinks that he already found one. Then this dude comes in. Guinan takes her dog, Luna. She takes the leash and... She says, it's time for her to go with her Uncle Dale. He's like, he'll take good care of you. And she comments on that, you know, humans are actually killing the planet. You know, someone, some have the power to fix things, but they just won't. She says, that she, you know, she's been here long enough. And he's like, it's not too late. And she starts, like, getting nauseous, whatever. Because he's like, says a bunch of stuff or whatever. He's like, it's because he's repeating words that she will say back to him in the future. He's like, you told me about it, you know, long ago. F. Kelt? Is, which is some like time sickness it occurs only when a timeline has been affected so he says that this wrong must be righted and only she can help do it raffi and seven walk out of the lapd raffi wants to she's like looking at squad cars she wants to steal one kevin's like or seven's like i don't think that's a good idea you know stealing a law enforcement vehicle right outside whatever so Rafi has a phaser. She's like, I thought we talked about that we're not supposed to have one. And she's like, well. So she shoots a window. She like shatters it to access the car with like, and you know, she has this little hand device and she turns it on. And she's like, and you couldn't open the window or you couldn't open the door with that. She's like, well, that was more fun. So she looks at, up on a computer. You know, there's like all all this stuff. Whatever. You know, she's trying to all these different like systems and you know the different branches of, of whatever law enforcement then seven sees a, a couple officers walk out of the building so she you know gets into the driver's seat to like duck rafi calls tries calling picard but agnes call or answers so they have the coordinates 
but she says that the system is down again so it'll have to reboot because they, they know where they, they have an idea where where rios is rafi says that they don't have time you know so they'll have to go another way then she tells seven to buckle up and she's like you want me to drive and rafi's like what you can pilot a starship but you can't drive a so then seven puts the car into gear peels out of the parking spot she's driving super fast she's like smashes through like the parking gate barrier thing she starts driving down like a one-way road in the wrong direction so rios's location is like an hour away and agnes says that she needs time to fix things she's like maybe a day and rafi's like we barely have an hour and the board queen's just like listening to this. she's like oh agnes so agnes begrudgingly tells rafi just like stand by she's like i might know someone who can help and the queen just like smiles at her so Guinan asks picard she's like okay do i have this straight you're from some redacted years in the future but time's been altered so now one future is a-okay and the other one's hell on earth and he's like yeah she's like you can babble all that but you can't even tell me your name and he says that if he says more he risks compromising her path she says that he should have thought about that you know before she started harassing him in her here in her bar and he's like oh i'm sorry and she's like you know whatever she's watching over is about and about to abandon it's like it's vital to the future of humanity and she's like i'm no watcher and she's like and humanity and she's like scoffs you know sort of outside she like points to this like homeless encampment whatever she's like humankind will or he says humankind will change and she's like you know this world has more potential than i ever imagined but the hatred here it just never ends and she's kind of you know she's kind of referencing like his skin color versus her skin color and everything like that and she's like change is coming it's too dang slow and the cost is way too high you know being forced to watch it it hurts and he's like why don't you just stay a few more days you know help me to understand what's been changed in the timeline so the doc's talking to rios about you know not spending all that time in med school just to watch her neighbors die so he's like is that why you started the clinic and she says that she started because she's a control freak so she mentions that this is her second time there so she's not really sure you know what's going to happen but then the officer comes in for her her paperwork's come through her ubers here so then the guy guy calls rios he calls him juan also and he's like he's like oh don't quiet juan he's like i have a seat for you waiting for you on the bus unless you want to provide your name and proof of citizenship so then he's like fine he's like my name is cristobal rios and the, the dude's like occupation he's like captain of the uss stargazer you wouldn't know it it's a starship from the year 2400 i'm on an ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds seek out new life and civilizations but instead i'm stuck back in a particular primitive past no offense trying to correct the timeline so i can you know you know with you know he points up and with who you ask a ragtag group of misfits including one cybernetic queen that i'm fairly certain is just in it to wipe out all humanity with her old cohort a crusty old admiral who if he if i understand it is a flesh and blood robot i i you know i can't be sure because nobody can explain it to me so the officer kind of chuckles and he just like walks away so seven is still speeding through traffic rafi's like trying to direct her where to go rios is getting put on the bus and the officer's like he's like sorry to say the end of the line is going to be the end of life as you know it adios captain the board queen talks some more to agnes agnes talks about you know the systems being down she needs help with the transporter and the queen says she's like well convince me 
And she's so Agnes is like, you know, my friends are in trouble. He's like, you can sink faster than I can type. So please, you know, can I trust you to help? And the queen cautions her about trust. And, you know, says something like that. Like that. And Agnes is like, that's a strange thing to say to someone that you're trying to get to trust you. So the queen mentions how Agnes is afraid to shine. That's why she's alone. And Agnes is like, you're one to talk about being alone. You know, you keep trying to talk to me. It's like, if something happens to my friends, you know, how chatty do you think I'm going to be? And the queen says that if she helps, you know, she's like, what do I get? And Agnes thinks, and she's like, me. So the bus is on the road. Rafi tells Rios, or t Rafi tells Seven that Rios' file has just been updated. He's being moved to a sanctuary district on the border. Seven says that it's more likely, you know, he's being disappeared. So if they lose him now, Rafi is able to figure out what bus he's on and where he's at. So it's amazing they have all, this all updated. But then a couple of squad cars try blocking them, swerves, swerves, and you know they they follow. Rafi talks to Agnes. Agnes says that she needs them to hit the brakes so she can, you know. She's like, trust, trust me. I know you don't want to do this. So they slam on the brakes. Cop cars like block the car and they get out. They're yelling at them, like, get out of the car. And, you know, they got their guns out. Then they're beamed out. And the cops are like, what the heck just happened? So they beam onto the side of the road. Agnes still can't pinpoint like locations that, that directly. So Rafi is able to lock onto the bus and she's like, he's coming fast. So they have to hijack it somehow without hurting anyone or getting reels killed. Guinan is packing up her, her car. Picard keeps begging, saying that, you know, she must know something. You know, they they sent him to her, and she's like, I'm not your watcher. She's like, I hope you find what you're looking for, but I'm not it. Then he blurts out, my name is Jean-Luc Picard. 400 years from now, you will be my oldest and dearest friend. And she curses, and she's like, get in the car. So she says that... Um, he's looking for a supervisor, otherwise known as a watcher. They're peppered throughout the galaxy, assigned to protect the destiny of certain individuals. He asks, assigned by who? And what do you mean by destiny? And Guinan's like, you know, it's all kind of vague. It's like, they're not big explainers. So they see themselves as a, you know kind of guardian angels. So she can get him a face-to-face, -face, sort of, but suspects that she'll very much want to, be, want to meet him. And she's like, but don't thank me, you know, because she's a real pill. So Guinan and Picard sit on this bench and, you know, she's like, just be straight to her. If you lie, she'll know. Then this little girl with like white eyes walks up and she's like, you better run. And Picard's like, is this the watcher? And Guinan's like, no. So the girl tells Guinan like, that she has 10 seconds to get out of there before she loses her, her very tenuous grip on her need to put her boot through her face. So um, she gets up and she points to Picard. She's like, he's looking for a watcher and you'll want to hear what he has to say. So Picard, he tells Guy, and he's like, don't leave Earth yet. He's like, I know you're done listening, but you're not done with humanity. Change always comes later than we think it should. So she looks at him and she just leaves. So the girl tells Picard to follow her and she holds out her hand. He reaches and then she like pulls him. She starts walking, guiding him. Then she asks for his communicator. So he like holds it and he's like, without it, I'm stranded. He keeps holding it and she's like, Ugh. she's like, just keep it, just pop out the energy cell or we're done here. So then the, the little girl's eyes change back to normal and she smiles and leaves. The food vendor's eyes go white and then he points. So Picard walks, 
this other dude passes him then his eyes go white and he turns around he walks next to picard and he's like what is this pantomime and the dude's like this is in case you're being followed and then he sees this lady with her back to him and he's like excuse me are you a friend of guinan's or guinan's she turns around she's like absolutely not he looks at her and he's like laris and he puts she puts her hand on his shoulder and there's like square smoke appears and then they disappear so Laris was like the lady that worked at the Chateau that was married and her husband died and Picard, does he like her or whatever? Anyways. So then we see someone's reading the LA Time, the, the headlines, will 2024 revive a space exploration? So it must be Q reading it because we hear him start talking. He's like, you can't do it. He's like, and you know it. So this lady's like walking, this blonde is like reading a book, The, the Pallid Sun. He's like, sure, you played the game for a while, but nothing was at stake when the only challenge was fooling everyone into thinking you had the nerve. But now it's real. The fear is choking you. Well, here's the truth. You can't do it. People are going to die. And now your fear, your doubt, is the loudest voice in your hands. Snaps his fingers. And the lady just like laughs with her. He's confused. He snaps his fingers over and over again. Like nothing's happening. He's like, that's unexpected and most unfortunate. So, I don't know what Q is doing. Maybe, no, because it's not the 15th yet. So, Q is about to do something, but his powers aren't working now? No idea what that means. And we'll have to see what this lady who looks like Laris, what she's going to say to Picard. Like, what what is she going to do? What is she going to say? I guess we'll find out next week. All right. Now I'm going to talk just a little bit about Deep Water. So Deep Water is a movie on Hulu. So it's uh, directed by Adrian Lin, who did uh, Nine and a Half Weeks Fatal Attraction. So it's it's a little reminiscent. Actually, I wasn't really sure what to think. You know that those are like the things that really come up. But Adrian Lin also did Jacob's Ladder, which was a little trippy, um, Indecent Proposal, and Flashdance. So. I think this is the first movie that, that Adrian's done in a, in a while. But the, the movie stars uh, Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. Man, I ugh, I don't really watching this movie. It's so it's not a it's not a great, fantastic, mind boggling movie. I think it's it's at a what is it like a 36 percent on Rotten Tomato, and the audience score is like a twenty three percent. So people aren't super crazy about the movie. Ben Affleck is is he's a really good actor. I I, I really like his stuff. Anna 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 de, de Armas. I don't know a whole lot of stuff with her. You know she was she was good in Knives Out. She was she was great in uh, James Bond No Time to Die. I wish she had a bigger role in that. And I feel like she was in something else recently. Maybe not. But I think she she seems like a good actress actor. So this movie. Uh, the, the first thing that I kind of thought about, I was like, oh, there's, there's a little bit of a age difference between the two, but I, I think it's, I think it was like 16 years or something like that. So maybe that's not that bad or whatever. You know, it does it really matter? Maybe I don't know. I mean, there would never be a movie, most likely, where it was the woman was that much older than a dude because Hollywood would never do that. So it's it's okay for the dude to be really old and for the you know the the woman to be almost young enough to be the dude's daughter but whatever so um it takes place in louisiana so these two are married and it's just it's such a a weird it's like what the heck is going on with these two 
so they they have a daughter. They have this super this cute little 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 daughter. She's super smart, but with uh, Anna's character, she's a little more carefree. She drinks a lot. She you know they they go to these parties and she's just kind of kind of just drinking a lot. And but they they're at this party with all their friends. And then this this young dude, this kind of doofy looking dude with like long hair comes in. I thought it was kind of doofy. I don't know. I, it's, I guess he's supposed to be a good looking guy, you know, young guy, whatever. He definitely looked like he was younger than her, maybe. And as soon as they, they get there, you know, she like goes off with him. And I was, I was like, what are you doing? And then at one point, you know, they, they go out outside you know, because first I think I don't know if they're like kind of dancing a little bit, whatever. And you know, Ben Affleck is just like you know, kind of left alone. You know, he's talking to different people, whatever. Then at one point he like looks out the window and she's sitting out there like by the pool, like on a, on a lawn chair, or whatever. And and they start like kissing, and he's just sitting there watching. I was like, wait, what? And then as as you know, she's doing, and she looks up and she sees him, and and she doesn't like stop or pull away or anything like that. So it's like, wait, what's going on here? Then a, a, one of her friends comes up and, and you know, she's she kind of comments something like that. She's like, you know, people are talking. You know, he's like, you, you, she's like, you got to say something to her or whatever. And he's like, like, oh no, whatever. And so it's it's almost like it's it's just it's a, such a weird dynamic. It's he's fully aware that she's straight up flirting because then then later when they're talking with her, someone's like, uh, Anna's on top of a piano and you know she's drunk or something like that. And she starts like playing a song and she's like singing and everything like that. And, but she's just like, you know, just the life of the party type of thing. But it's like, there's this dude there and her husband's there and she's like not really trying to, to hide it or anything. So we don't really know the extent of what's going on. It's like, are they just kissing or are they holding hand? You know, is there more to it? So it's just, it's just kind of crazy. <laughs> and then at one point, Ben Affleck, he, he's like, Oh, did you hear about, Malcolm McRae, or I forget what the other person's name was, and he, 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 because the other person died, he's like, I, he's like, I killed him, because he, he's trying, he's basically implying that he was uh, Anna's, whatever her character's name is, her friend, so he, he, he killed him, and he's like, wait, are you like, are you joking, whatever, and he's like, or, or no, he didn't, we, for straight up, I, maybe he doesn't say he killed him, whatever. I think first he's like, yeah, and he disappeared. And he's like, "What are you trying to say?" And he's like, "You know." And he's like, are you, "Are you threatening me?" He's like, "No, I'm just saying." And and then she gets mad at him because later she's like, "What did you say to him?" And she's like, "What? What do you? Why would you say that?" And there's and and she's like, "Martin, whatever the guy's, he was my friend, and he's. I'm sad that he's gone." And so it's it's just it gets weirder. And then um, this this dude ends up having to leave town because he's going somewhere else, anyways. But before he leaves, she invites him over for dinner i was like what and then I'm, I'm trying to remember i think if this was the, the part where you know they're all having dinner and the daughter's there too and then then she says to daughter's like oh would you like daddy to read you stories today tonight and, and she's like yeah and she's like oh and make sure he doesn't skip any pages he's sneaky like that so basically she's trying to get ben affleck to go upstairs so she can be alone with this young dude and uh so then the thing is so he leaves and then she's like got got this a new friend after that and she's like it's just like what's going on and just the way ben affleck just does his like kind of like staring and scowling it's just like 
you know, he's just he's just like silent and just like looking, and it's just like like what is going? Like, did he kill that guy? And like, what's going to happen? And and then um, it, it just kind of goes from there. And they they kind of talk a little bit about that, and she's just like very like in his face, and she's like, what What are you going to do about it? And you know, because she's like, but it's like they you know they're they're they want to have the family or something like that. At one point, Kizzy's like, it's like your mother, or whatever. and she's like, that was your your decision. You know, he wanted that. You know, she loves her daughter, but I guess, you know, it's not like she was gung-ho about it or something like that. So it's just, she's just living this life where she's just straight up flirting and and possibly doing more. I just, so when you look at it, it's just, it's so uncomfortable. It's like, how could you be in a relationship? It's one thing if you're in an open relationship and if, if both parties agree. Well, I guess maybe I, I don't. I don't even think you can say that. I don't think he's agreeing because he's he's not crazy about the idea. He's like not not controlling her. He's not sort of saying, "Oh, you you can't do this." But then at one point he he's he kind of says something like, "He's like, well, I don't think you should talk to this person or something like that." But she's just like, "Screw you, buddy." So you know, it's it's one thing that. You know, if, if a couple both agrees on it, if, if both parties are into seeing other people or whatever doing, you know, which that's that's their choice. You know, that's that's their thing. But when one person is, is wanting to do it and the other person's not kind of crazy, that just seems just really weird. So this whole movie, while some things were, you know, a, a little kind of absurd, just it just so blatantly just the way it was happening and it just it was it was like so uncomfortable watching and as i'm watching this movie because i think it's like an hour and 56 minutes or something like that so it's like just under two hours i i every once in a while i kind of pause it i'm like okay how much more of this movie is left i was like because it's like i just want to i just want to get out of this movie <laughs> i was like this is just so weird and uncomfortable and i don't know what's going on i don't know why this is happening but at the same point i was kind of committed to it because you know it's a ben affleck movie so i was like i i'm just really curious like what's what is like the hook you know what what's going on here because like the first teaser that came out was was the two of them just like kind of laying like in a in a, a field or they're like out in the kind of woods or something like that and she's like do you love why do you love me or why are you, you know why are you the only one that stays with me or something so it's just like what is this what's going on and then the fact that it's adrian lynn and you know fatal attraction so it's like is she crazy but then it's like no wait is, is he crazy is he killing is she killing is no one killing so i was just like what the heck is going on in this movie like so it was just oh i was just so uncomfortable and then um there was one he 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 keeps snails he has like a snail you know in his, his garage uh he always you know he takes care of him and and the article i saw that like the snails wrangler said that ben affleck took care he handled the snails like a pro so he's very kind and cautious or whatever with them and he just he just likes to have snails and you know he doesn't they're not for eating you know he was very clear about that at one point so he just has these but then i have to say and without spoiling things the way the movie ends it's like okay i mean it's just it seemed kind of weird where it's like okay almost like all the cards are out on the table now and it's like is everyone okay with this you, you know you there's this big there's kind of this revelation and you know the one person is just like did, did, are they just like okay i fully accept this and and then what's going to happen from there are things going to change or are they just going to continue the same as as they've always been so it's just it was you don't really get 
that full full you know there wasn't like full full closure with with the way the movie ends so and maybe that that's kind of the point to they'll leave us hanging they'll have us talking about what's going to happen next what could happen next it was just oh but it was just so weird and uh but i think they're they were both good i mean anna i mean her character was just but she just she's just such a such a good job just with, you know, plays a role with like this fiery passion or whatever, and it's just like, oh my gosh, like, what are you getting yourself into, Ben Affleck? You know, and, and your your character, and uh, so you check it out. It's it's definitely rated R. You know, it's it's not for for the kids, and um, but yeah, I was just so uncomfortable watching this because I'm just like, dude, what what is going on? What are you two doing? And yeah, so deep water. Ugh. And now the movie feature, the main movie feature, is The Lost City. So <laughs> this is a movie with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, and uh, Brad Pitt. And uh, so here's the thing. When, when I, I saw the poster, I, I was like, okay, this is a comedy. Looks like it's going to be like a dumb, silly comedy. It's got some great actors. But I was like, to get all these actors together, it's like... I don't know for some reason this kind of like this red red flag was going up whereas i was just like uh, i don't know about this so nothing else came out to see actually the the one the a24 movie the michelle yo movie wasn't playing at my theater so i was like all right i'll go see this movie but then i was like i really don't even know what this is about the lost city so is this like some sort of like indiana jones romancing the stone you know some sort of like adventure whatever movie and then i was like you know I'm going to go watch this. I don't even want to know. I'm, I don't even want to watch a trailer. So I have no idea. And still, I, I meant, I was like, I should probably watch this. Because when I, I was like talking to people about this, like the next day after I watched it, I don't know. I don't want to give away too much information because I have no idea what has been revealed in a trailer. And, uh, you know, because I don't want to spoil things. So I still haven't seen a trailer. So I don't really know how much is put out there, how this is being you know, advertise or, or how they're trying to sell it. And the other thing I was like, had, this was strong, uh, had to resist this is I didn't even want to, I didn't know what the running time was because I figured it's like, okay, if this is a comedy and it's like a, an hour and a half, that feels like it's just going to be like a generic movie. Like it's just going to be okay. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to know because when you know, when a movie's going to end, you know, you, you kind of can sense like how long it's going to be. Okay. Things are going to start to get wrapped up. Whereas if you don't know what the runtime is, you it's, you know, obviously it's, it's more of a mystery. You have no idea. Anything goes. So I went into it like that without knowing. Now, the nice thing when I saw this movie, so, you know, I go to the Thursday night preview showings and my theater has multiple screens they were showing this on at least two theaters. I, it might have been might have been more 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 than two. And um, let me just double check. No, they, so they actually had it on three. No, they have it on two two theaters. Um, they might have had three. Well, anyways, so one was like on a big screen, and then one was in a smaller theater. So I went to a smaller one. I went to four thirty showing. I was the only one in the theater. So that was great for me because, you know, I don't have to worry about it's like, okay, I I don't have my mask on. I can eat my popcorn. Everything's fine. And uh, also by not having anyone in there, I felt like it was okay to laugh 
to LOL if should the, the need arise. I'm getting a little ahead of myself now with that. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 76% by the critics, 86% by the audiences. So, so that, that's pretty good. So with, with the movie, I enjoyed it. it. It was funny. And I like all of these actors you know, the, the, that I mentioned, and they're all good. So what is the, the story about? I guess we'll, we'll just go to that. I felt like I was going to say something else, but we'll just, just jump there. So Sandra Bullock is a... Uh, she's a like she writes romance novels and and she's she's not in the best place uh so she lost her husband which i i don't know if that's i again i don't even know what's in the trailer so she's she's a little down with that you know she's she's a little burnt out you know she's you know struggling to to finish this one novel and her like agent kept um her, so her agent's plays by davine joy randolph and you know, so she keeps like, you know, how's the book coming in? Or because she wants to, you know, schedule this book tour, or she actually she did schedule a book tour, so she just needs a book and everything like that. So Sandra Bullock finally does the the, the book, and as they start the book tour, you know, she has to talk to a bunch of women who you know just want to hear. They're actually there because Channing Tatum's character is also there. So Channing Tatum is uh, the cover model. He's kind of like the Fabio. You know, he's got this big, long, flowing hair, and usually, whenever he, there's an appearance, his shirt gets ripped off, and you know that's what the the women are all, all of it because it's it's someone who looks like Channing Tatum type of thing. And she's not too keen on this guy. You know, she's he just like irritates her, you know, and everything. So they're they're you know, having this presentation. Some things don't really go well. She goes to leave and everything, but then she ends up getting taken. And she's like, am I taken? Am I taken? It's like, what's going on here? So Daniel Radcliffe's character is this kind of like eccentric billionaire, billionaire dude or something like that. And he's looking for this lost city. And based on her book, there's like some stuff about like some like hieroglyphics translations. So he figures like, because I, I think the, something happened to the last person that knew about the, or was was. I don't think it was her husband. Someone knew about this, but they're they're not there. So she's like the next best one because like what she wrote in there was like actual like translations or something like that. He has like this old like piece of something with some stuff and he like wants her to translate it and go and, and find this lost city to get this crown of something and do all this. And she then she's like, uh, no, or something like that. So he ends up kidnapping her type of thing. So her husband was apparent like this archaeologist so she picked up on some things and maybe she used that in in this book and and so forth so then where it goes and i i feel like i'm saying too much about the movie but just to set things up and so he, uh daniel radcliffe tracked down where this lost city must must be on this remote island in the atlantic ocean so he's going to take her there to, to try to find out where where this thing is because also there's this volcano that's about to explode so or about to erupt so they need to find it before that happens channing tatum is talking to like uh sandra bullock's manager and the assistant or like the social media assistant which that didn't really work like so she's got this social media assistant who, like takes over her like twitter or whatever and stuff like that as she's walking to the i'm backtracking now as she's walking to her the book tour thing she's like taking a bunch of random pictures but like from behind her it's like 
shouldn't you be like in front of her taking a picture walking and then when like stuff's going on stage it's like she's not even filming or doing anything anyways so this kind of bothering did not sell me as a social media expert it just i didn't buy it so um channing tatum wants to to help he wants to find sandra bullock because you know she's missing she's been taken and he knows this guy who could help which is brad pitt's character and uh, he was a just like like navy seal ex-navy seal dude or something like that and and um see he's like this complete badass we'll just put that so that's like the setup and then they're gonna go to the island and and that's all i really should say so there are moments that are pretty funny um (laughs) there's one part i don't i feel like i shouldn't say this but this i this is just so stupid and one of the things that when i just like looked up the wikipedia page but before i clicked on it i just did a search and so i think i don't know if it was like washington new york times or new washington someone said that it was like oh another comedy for idiots so like am i an idiot because i thought this was funny if so whatever i don't care call me what you want uh, but like so one example I, I i shouldn't spoil this is gonna ruin it but at one point that you know they're they're going through channing tatum and sandra bullock are going through a jungle they're trying to escape from the evil hench people or whatever and they have to go through a river and and channing tatum's like you know he he has this thing about water or whatever and then he's like he's like following her and he's like why is it warm here he's like did you did you pee and she's just like just, just go around it <laughs> So I don't know why that cracked me up. I, but anyways, just the movie's funny. Um, so Channing Tatum, I I love Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty Two Jump Street. So you know, just like Channing Tatum comedy like that. Where what what's nice is you know he's he's the big beefy you know he's a fit dude, but he's not necessarily the sharpest tool in the toolbox. But he's he's not like a complete idiot either. So it, it's kind of nice that he allows you know he's playing the comedy role and you know he's he's not perfect and he's he's gonna he can't handle things but the way they handle it was was really good so it was nice that he took this role and not like be just a super macho you know superhero over the top able to solve any problems you know that's brad pitt's character that he's the 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 highly trained skilled trained person that can do anything <laughs> there's just there's just a lot of funny moments between like with Channing Tatum and and, and Brad Pitt and uh, there's at one point there's one thing that happened I'm like whoa <laughs> I wasn't expecting that and Daniel Radcliffe man I just want to say um, I I I love how he just keeps taking like different roles and you know I don't know if I, I don't I probably didn't mention it but he was asked I was probably like what is they're doing the press for this like about if he would do the cursed child the, the harry potter musical sequel or whatever production play thing and he basically is like you know i i'm like in a good place you know i i survive the child probably like the child actor thing whatever and he he's not really in a mood to to go back to that and and that that's a good thing you know why should he just only do harry potter stuff you know he he's done so many other movies so let's just try to do something else and like the fact that he's doing the the weird al yankovic you know biopic movie or whatever and you know guns akimbo i love that movie and his his role here so he's just he's just is it's just brilliant so it's just it's really good 
So with the movie, you know, it's 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 pretty much what you would expect it to be. You know, it's probably if you've seen the trailer, which I haven't. Maybe you know it's going to have a lot of the best jokes in the trailer. I hope not, but it's it's funny. It's um not the most original thing. It's not the most cleverly written, but it it cracked me up. You know, I, I thought it was funny. Um, it was entertaining, and that's exactly what I what I would want in a movie. You know, not everything has to be this big epic, whatever masterpiece. So this this is a dumb comedy. But it made me it made me laugh out loud. I don't laugh often. Well, maybe I do laugh. I, I, I find sometimes I do laugh when I, you know, play back or edit this. So I had a good time watching the movie, and there there was moments where I I started getting little tears in my eyes for just from the laughing, just at the absurdity of certain things. So mission accomplished. You know that that's probably what they wanted. It it worked. I was happy. I enjoyed it, and. It's a it's a fun silly movie that is worth watching. I would say you know there there's a lot of big environment scenery locations whatever which I did want to look up where it was filmed, but I I, I didn't get around to that. So um, the movie what was it? Do they have with the budget? The budget was only sixty eight to seventy four million. It's it's weird when they have like this this range like that that they don't know the exact thing. I don't know how well it's going to do in in the box office, which is is a problem. But hopefully, it's successful. I could almost see, I could see them trying to come up with some sort of sequel to this if they wanted to. I'm sure sure they could come up with that. Um, but but who knows? Yeah, it, it may not be. It may, they may not be able to justify it. Apparently, it was filmed in Samana, Dominican Republic. So amazing, you know, scenery and stuff like that. How much was was there? And I don't know what was green screened, if anything, or digitally, whatever. So it's it's a funny movie. It's a lot of lot of big big scenes that are would make it worth seeing on a big screen. At the same time, it's not like essential for the big screen, you know. If you don't have access to it, and you know whatever, so I, I enjoyed it. I, I think you should watch it. I also think that um, you should get ready to say goodbye because that is going to be it for this week. So big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about 1987's Superman series by John Byrne, written and drawn by John Byrne. You know, I, I like the John Byrne comics. It's just something classic and just, it's just a different era and it's just feel good comics so i highly recommend them it's on on the dc infinite app you can check them out follow along and last week's episode was the first appearance of Bloodsport, which i totally forgot how that issue played out so that was it was kind of a shock and it was very interesting but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four and that is ko-fi dot com slash gman from heck so what is going to happen next week next week is morbius so 
as you know, I, I think I've, I've been pretty clear about, about this. I, I don't have high expectations at all for this. And part of the reason is, the main reason is, I don't care for the character. I'm not, I, I don't dislike the character. I just, I don't really have any interest in him. Um, you know, it's a, it's a dude. He was kind of sick. Turns kind of turns himself into vampire. Oops. <laughs> so I I find it shocking, surprising that they're making a movie out of this character. But it's something a little different. And it, it seems like Jared Leto's been kind of really promoting. You know, push. There's oh, there's some video I was gonna watch where it's, it's kind of like talking about how like the multiverse and like you know stuff was happening in Loki and the like the possibility of Morbius and Spider Man. You know whatever. But Michael Keaton's character is supposed to be in it. So maybe it's a different version of of the Vulture from No Way Home. I don't know. So we'll see. I'll, we'll find out next week how this goes. But I think critics may have seen it and didn't didn't really like it so much. But we'll see what happens. Um, what else is, is going on? Uh, I, I would like to see that A24 movie, but I don't know if I will. I feel like there's something else coming or something else happening something like on one of the streaming somewhere but i don't remember so we'll, we'll see what else there is there's oh man there's there i think there's i really think there's something else there won't be a servant next week but everything else should be there so we'll see i as you know i got plenty to talk about as this week shows um, I still haven't finished watching Turning Red, which I, I just realized. So, on that note, I hope you are not Turning Red that I haven't finished watching it, but I hope you are turning happy, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are taking care of yourself. I hope you're doing what you can to make other people happy and you know to help them out. And I really hope that you remember to be good to each other. 